Blog Talk Radio. Uh, PJ, you are seriously, man, in a league of one. You are the best. You get it done so efficiently, quickly, and such a high standard, my man. You are my hero. Jim Nance, CBS Sports, thank you. Welcome to another edition of Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, New York Sports Talk podcast and radio show, episode number 3.29, coming to you live from Bayside, New York, Comac, New York, Freehold, New Jersey. It is Thursday night, July the 26th, 2012. It's 9.30 p.m. It's time for Ready to Unload with Cal and San Pete. That's me, San Pete. And, of course, we heard from Jim Nance at the top of the show, commenting, complimenting our producer, the Bishop Pop Culture PJ, who has taken over the RTU fun load and uh, really turned it into uh, the Death Star of uh, fun loads. He is, it is now the leading fun load in the galaxy. Uh, so uh, we got a ton to talk about tonight. The Mets, uh, RIP, rest in peace, 2012. Cal has a scroll, literally a scroll of uh, notes about the Mets. I have a really good David Wright, Don Mattingly comparison to make. Uh, I'm very excited about that. Uh, we're going to talk about the Jets, the Giants, NFL camps opening. We're excited. The Mets almost got us to training camp. Uh, Ichiro Suzuki's a Yankee. I mean, WTF, yo. Um, and of course, he goes from the Mariners uh, hitting leadoff and their biggest star to hitting eighth on the Yankees. Eh, you put the pinstripes on, 3,000 hits or not, you're just another guy. Okay, um, so let's get to it, please. There's a huge storm going on right now in New York, too. By the way, if at some point we should lose you, uh, lose the live feed, as it were, uh, it's because uh, there's a ridiculous storm blowing in. A uh, derecho, I think it's called. Anyway, uh, he's sitting here biting his tongue in half. Licking his palms. Here he is. Direct from Las Vegas. An engagement at the Trop. Tony Orlando and Dawn. Tony. No, no. E- Edie Gourmet. Edie and Steve Gourmet. Edie, Steve. I'm going to con- continue to make references from the 70s that have no... Cal. It's Cal, everybody. Cal. Yeah, Cal. it's me. Cal's the co-host of the program. It's me. It's not Don Rickles. It's not... It's- no, it's not uh, David Le- David Bro David it's Brenner. Not David, it's not David Brenner. David Brenner. 
It's uh, uh, Mr. Calpino Calneva Caliente. Wow, that's a that's not a bad David Brenner for a 38 year old. It's not terrible. You shouldn't really have a good one. No, no one our age should have a a solid uh, Richard think. Lewis, uh, a uh, David Brenner, or Pat Cooper. No, well, yeah, Pat Cooper's 114 though. Pat yeah, Cooper's well. just easy though, like just insult people. That's true. Look at this idiot. Look at this guy. <laughs> Please, he was uh, he was talking about I did a movie with Scorsese. Please, Pat Cooper. You know what? Enough with Pat Cooper. By the way. Wow, Pat Cooper. That's right. Wow, got it. How are you, Cal? Welcome to the program. Yeah, I'm good. Wow, that's. You know what? Uh, Enough with Pat Cooper. Enough. Well, take it easy, old man. (laughs) Yeah, I said it. Uh, Enough. How are you? I saw you a couple days ago. We yes, I we did we did see each other and uh, tell the people uh, a couple of other people from our past. Tell the people it wasn't (laughs) we weren't in a dream. No, no, it was reality. It was reality. And uh, we had our 20th high school reunion this past Saturday. And uh, to all the nice people that came up to us at the reunion and said that they love our show. Thank you. Obviously listening right now. So, hi, everyone. Couple, Thank, uh, thanks for listening. A couple takeaways uh, from the 20-year reunion. <laughs> Um, number one, amazed at how many people said they listen to the show. That's awesome. It's very it's cool. great. Yeah, oh, um, people it, said they listen just, to the podcast. Yeah, it felt it felt great. But the goof was how many people thought that's what we did for a living. Oh, oh, so I know you do the show. What what else do you do? Right. <laughs> yeah. We, we've yet to monetize this. Uh, I just started by the end of the night. You know, I was probably about. You know, ten, twelve beers in, I just started to go with it. I just started yeah. to, yeah. You know what? That's all I can do right now. Between appearances and, you know, doing the show and promos and stuff. I mean, it's just, it's a nightmare. I'm lucky I'm here right now. I, you know, I, I gotta be, I gotta go do a King Cullen opening tomorrow morning. I mean, it's just exhausting. <laughs> exhausting. Uh, no, it was. Um, it, it really was a great night. Um, it was well, well hyped. For the oh, last man. couple of months, I mean, well, this Facebook, was Facebook, um, interesting. I have an interesting take on that because I thought that the Facebook hype would uh, kind of water it down, maybe dilute it, be very anticlimactic when you got there. Right. My take on it was that it actually helped. I agree. It I lent an agree. air of familiarity to people. That's right. You were able to just get right into it with them. It also it, it helped and it hurt, and I'll tell you why it hurt. It took away a number of small talk options right off the bat. Well, that helped, I think. See, to me, I, you know what, though? It's, it's a nice surprise. Maybe you have you, – you buy yourself an extra two minutes if that person that you've seen, you don't know that they have kids. You don't know that they're married. But I'll tell you what. But because of you, Face, you knew that. Those two minutes that you have bought – uh, you know, around the room over the course of the night allowed you to spend more time with the people that you wanted to spend with. I guess, yeah. That's I didn't. I didn't, I didn't. That's leave, a good point. I didn't leave the other night thinking, ah, oh, man, I really wish I had seen so and so, or I had talked to this person. I think I pretty much got everybody that I wanted to. When oh, I was, yeah, I got a number of people I didn't want to. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, let's let's let's. There's that. I mean, too. let's not beat around the bush. You know, they're they're look. 
we had a very unique experience. I'm not going to speak for you. I'll speak for myself. And we're going to talk about sports, I promise. But you know, it was our 20-year reunion. Of sorts. This is big. It was a millstone, if you will. And there, also, also people that, that said that they listen, if they're listening tonight, they're listening now because it's the beginning of the show. In two hours, they're probably not listening. So this this is good for them. That's right. That's right. They're definitely not going to make it to the fun load, although they should. Because I tell you what, the fun load's the talk of the town now. There might be something in it for them. PJ reinvented What are you going to say? Jump. That's racist. What are you going to say? Exactly. Not here in two hours. That's not racist. I just... <laughs> <laughs> Bishop, uh, uh, Bishop, did you go to your 20-year reunion? I've been to all the reunions. Five, seven, 12, 13. I went to the Fibonacci sequence of reunions. We we had a unique experience in that I I liked high school, I was good with it. Yeah, me too. Uh, you know, I, I yeah, I mean, I, I, and I didn't peak there. It wasn't the end all be all. I just I had a good experience. Yeah, did I have crappy times? Of course. You know, I mean, we didn't go to Bayside High. Uh, you know, with Jesse Spano. I mean, I, I went to Rock and Roll High School. That's <laughs> correct. <laughs> but I but I didn't I wasn't dreading this evening. You know, like I know a number of people would be uh, dreading seeing people from high school or or have something having something to prove. I, I have, I have not. It was just nice to see some people. Now, granted, there I could go another twenty years with some people and be fine. Sure. You know, you but know what got I, me at mine? What? What was that? Just by coincidence, the first five or six people that walked in were all people that I not only knew from high school, but I knew them all the way back to kindergarten. And that was kind of cool. That's nice. It was like the old gang was hanging around. Yeah, I mean, that, we, we, that was cool. we got to... And then everybody lied about their jobs, so it was fun. That's right. <laughs> you know what I'm an astronaut now. <laughs> <laughs> this is, right, it became like a, the situation in college where you try to pick up girls, and you just completely, yeah, I'm, the, I'm, the, uh, I'm in the astronaut program with NASA. Right. It's great. It's just tremendous. My second book of poetry is being reviewed right now. <laughs> Have you heard of the Atlantic Monthly? Yeah, me neither. That's fine. They rejected all my materials. Well, I but, you subscribe know, that to that now. You may like That's to know. I, I just went with, uh, I honestly, Peach and Cal, by the end of the night, I went with uh, people that said, so what do you do? You know, if they didn't think the radio show was the primary source of income. <laughs> I, went, I, I just started to go with, I, I have a job. I, it's really not important. Like, and, and I wasn't saying it in like a douchey way. I was saying it in like a... You know, I I not I, important. Yeah, I work for a core reporting company. Like it's a job. You know, it's 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 what every kid dreams of being when they grow up. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a, I'm yeah. a legal I'm a, I'm a legal videographer. It's it's the dream has come true. Well, there's no, what I, you are and there's what you do. That's right. And I and I and said high school know, union is one of those points where you realize that that's something that's sort of important to you. Right. Who cares what and, I do? And exactly because what I do is in my particular instance not who I am. It just pays it just pays the bills. But anyway, it was uh, it no difference nice. to me what a man does to put food on his table and feed his family. <laughs> wow. Instant impression. We haven't had an instant impression in some time. It's been a time. while. That was a very solid Don Corleone. I was going to yeah. do my Brenner for you, but I couldn't hit the button fast enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going up in Philadelphia. He's going to put mustard on a pretzel. And the other guys from out of town, would say, where's the salt? <laughs> Why is nobody laughing? <laughs> David Brenner, everybody. Uh, coming, 
Oh, boy. That probably was the night night I saw him anyway. Right. Two more things for me, just real quick on on the reunion, then we can move on. The one, and I don't know if you had the same experience. Yes. When when you arrive at the reunion, okay, so you're walking into this ballroom, right, when you get there, and you check in at the table, you walk into the ballroom, and immediately you get this overwhelming sensation of – a sea of familiar faces that you can't quite place. It's like if you're out and about and you're in a store and you see one person that looks familiar but you can't quite place them. This was like 50 at once. Right, right. <laughs> and it was just like, whoa. Yeah. Kind of, you know, took you back for a second. So that was one thing. The other thing, and I have to say it, there were a couple of people that you can go another 20 years without seeing, but the vast, vast majority of people were really cool. Yep. And it was just, it was, people seemed genuinely happy to see one another at this thing, which I thought was nice. <clears throat> totally agree. And and the other takeaway I had was, uh, uh, in the aggregate, we looked pretty good as a class. I didn't need, well, I didn't we need, I mean, there were, class. <clears throat> no, no, I'm not saying, I'm saying, you know, 20 years later, I didn't need that many name tags. Like, I recognized just about everybody. That's right. Which I, I thought, you know, I was going to need more name tags. We looked pretty good. Pretty, mm-hmm. pretty good. There were, there, there, were a couple, there were a couple of Dennis Leary rescue me moments. There were a couple of <laughs> throughout, throughout a lifeline. Uh, but, you no, know, you're right. Overall, uh, everybody was uh, really nice and very genuine. And it was I was glad I went. Yeah, so was I. I was I was a little hesitant going in because I'm just not a big small talk guy. No, no. I found that the small talk was uh, was limited, and and it really was a very nice night. So. Yep. And uh, from a sports angle, and and the show, whatever. I'm surprised at how, you know, I had a couple of people come up to me, a couple of folks that we graduated with, to talk sports. Yeah. Like. We were like, we were, you know, I got to call up the show. We were, uh, let's talk about the Mets, you know, whatever. It was really kind of cool in that there were people that I didn't think of. You and I have been doing this, Cal. We've been doing the show for two and a half years. We've been doing this since we were eight. I mean, we've been, we've been, we've been talking about our teams and this kind of thing. I mean, literally, you could, we could have done this show when we were eight. Yeah, they had the technology back then. That's right. We sure. we could have we could have been those those ridiculously stupid child prodigy, uh, you know, uh, sportscasters because we've been having these conversations since we were eight or nine years old. You know, there would have been about like Dave Kingman at that time, Mike Jorgensen, Rusty Staub, whatever. Craig Swan leads the league in ERA, whatever it would have been. <laughs> you know, that would have been heady times to do it, Cal, because the, the Islanders were winning four straight Stanley Cups. That would have, yeah. Might but have anyway. You didn't. I didn't have that many people in high school that I did that with. No. I mean, did you find that? We have one friend who's was a tremendous athlete, tremendous athlete. Still is. He does like you know uh, triathlons and stuff now. But he was he was a baseball player, football player, whatever. Great guy. Good to see him. Never a big sports fan. He's an enigma wrapped mm-hmm. in a riddle inside of a mystery on toast. He's a, he's a sandwich. No, he's it's really it's he's not a big sports fan at all. And it was nice to talk sports with some of the people that I didn't think of that way in high school. You it know? was all. It was also. All right, we gotta, 
<laughs> go ahead. No, go. Well, what were you going to say? I was going to say, we, we, we actually do have to talk about sports at some point. Although we are doing a nice post-mortem on the, uh, on the, on the reunion. Yeah, no, no. It was, it was also it was a nice – it was a bit of an icebreaker for some people because they'd come over yes. to you. And, and, and the fact that they knew that this is what we're doing, which yep. that – again, Facebook. Now, I have a couple of pro- – I have a problem. I have a big problem with the room. The room was terrible. It was two rooms. It was awful. The bar was in one room, and then the big area was the other room, but there was no bar there, so everybody was in the bar. There was 100 people crammed into, like, a little cocktail area. Yeah. And, Carol, come on, music. Come on. Logistically, it was it was a nightmare. It was a you nightmare. And, and, and let me – and we're, we're talking about what a great night we had. That's how great the night was, is that all of the logistical – nonsense that went on, the fact that there were two rooms and everybody was shoved into one and there was no food, you know? I know. <laughs> We're like, wait, what? I'll tell you what, there were some drunk people. There were a lot of people drank. A I like to have a cliche, too. Like, we had the cliches. We had the very ang- angry guy who was completely inappropriate, you know, I mean, it was gross point blankian. You, I was going to say, you could have casted this movie. Yeah, that's right. You That's know? right. It was much like to... much like everything that we do. You can you, you really could have easily kept. But they, the the funny thing is they already did it in Gross Point Blank. Which last thing on this? Just thinking back to Gross Point Blank, which is a movie I really like. How is that their ten year reunion? That's a, that's a bad job. I don't. Yeah. Am I supposed to buy that many drivers twenty eight? Well, did you go to the? You didn't go to our ten year reunion. I was in, I was in Los Angeles. Okay. Having been at our 10-year reunion, it's certainly not accurate. Right, but I'm saying, you know, John Cusack's 37 years old when he's doing that movie. Mm-hmm. Make it to 15. It's not going to kill you. They don't do 15s. I mean, am I supposed to believe Jeremy Piven's 28 years old at that point? <laughs> we did have the 10-year moment, though. That was great. With uh, with our buddy Doug. Because yeah. we hadn't seen him in 15 years. And I got in the car. He came up from Philly to pick me up. And uh, drive me and drive us out to the uh, reunion. And I got in the car and I did it, man. Fifteen, fifteen years, man. Fifteen, fifteen. I was waiting for him to be like, "I joined the military. I'm a professional killer." <laughs> you get dental with that? Okay, let's uh, let's start talking about the sports. It's time for the big unload. And oh, doctor. Oh, does Cal have a big unload for all y'all? Holy mackerel. I hate when you do this. What? You do? Am I lying? Damn, the pressure, though. Oh, please. John Cusack was 31 when Gross Point Blank was made. That's it? Only 31, really? Yeah. Dang it. How old was Jeremy Piven, though? He's probably already 31, too. 61. <laughs> he was 47 years old. All right, fine. So it's believable. Well, he looked older. He looks good. Okay, it's time for the uh, ready-to-unload big unload. Tonight's big unload topic, what else? The Olympics. No, no, no. I kid. Don't joke. PJ could do a uh, big unload on the Olympics, I bet. He could do two hours on the Olympics. He could probably do two and a half hours on the Olympics. That extra, that last half hour, though, would be just about javelin. Strictly. <laughs> Strictly about javelin. Uh, 
Uh, we're going to talk about a little bit about the Mets. We're going to talk about the Yankees as well. But this guys are this, hating on me so hard tonight. We're not hating. No, 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 no. no. Hating. No, on no. Me. no, no. You gave me the Nance. You, you, you lured me in with the Nance. My defenses were down, and now two shots to the gut. What was wrong with the Nance? It's, you it's, softened it's, me up, and you went for my tender underbelly. <laughs> Look, all we're saying is you're an Olympics guy. That's all. That's it. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing more than that. Not hating gonna, on you. I'm gonna sit back. Okay. Um, uh, Cal the Mets. Wow. Lost 14 out of 16. Uh, the season has really gone off the rails. They're four games out of uh, under 500. They are 11 games out of first place. They are seven games out of the wild card. Uh, wow, the tide has turned, Brian, on the field. The product has been awful. Uh, I think the amazing thing for me, and, and I really do want to talk about this because I, I've never seen anything like it, um, and, and I really haven't. Everybody keeps saying this is the same Met. This is like on replay, and they do this every year, and it's over and over again. It's not. It's different. I found it to be different uh, for two reasons, the first being in literally in the span of 15 games, they went from one of the most likable teams and must-watch TV every night to a team you actively disliked and you couldn't watch it all. And 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 I'm sorry, they didn't do that last year. They didn't do that two years ago. They weren't they, that they likable didn't do it of a team. in 2008 either. Right. They weren't that likable of a team. Okay. No. In 2008, they were a, still a great ball club. A, a lot was expected of them. Okay. Nothing was expected of this team. They were playing great. They were seven, eight games over 500. And in two and a half weeks, they have become unwatchable. So that's point A. Point B, the bloom, as you like to say, is off. Is it the bloom? Is that your one? I do like to say that one. Yes. yes. The bloom is off everybody's rose now. The wheels Everybody. are off the wagon. That's right. Alderson, uh, uh, you know, Terry Collins, David Wright. We don't like the players. We don't like R.A. Dickey is just an ordinary story now. So, uh, bump set spike in the spirit of Olympic volleyball. I have just given you the set. He's going to take that the wrong way again. Go, he is. Go. <laughs> He's right behind me, isn't he? <laughs> Remind me to tell you later about the greatest right behind me story of all time. I will. Um, so uh, there's the set. Go. Yeah. What are we? So what, what are we talking? What, what, what more is there to say? I think you covered it pretty good. Well, how did this happen, Brian? In Literally two and a half weeks ago, you were talking about how this was your favorite team of all time. Longer than that, because if you remember, I turned on them before the swoon. When did it you was, turn on them officially? It was during that, it was during that uh, series against the Cubs at Wrigley. That's right. <laughs> when they lost those two, and 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 we were going back and forth. You know, I I was done with them. That right. was that was my who moment. I won't get fooled again. That's right. That was it. That was adultery. That's right. right? And then what happened? Right after that, they went out to Los Angeles and they won three out of four. Almost swept <laughs> the Dodgers in right. L.A. Right. And you, everybody, you're so giddy. Oh, this is great. And I was just. Eh. I was I was rightfully excited. You were. And 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 everybody had a right to be excited at that point. Then they came home and they played the Phillies 
and they had that huge game, the first game back. Right. They, they, the, they, uh, was it, was it um, Blanton that they beat up on? Officer Joe. Beat up on them, and just it was just like it was like a you know a yuck fest over at City Field. They were eight games over five hundred. Beating up on beating up on the Phillies. Everybody's laughing. They're playing music, and <laughs> who could have who could have seen this coming? Not even the most cynical of Met fan right. could have seen this coming. I'm over here wearing the same clothes, like a jerk. You got the same hat. You still have the same hat on. No, you. I'm saying you, that's what you're feeling like. Everybody's oh. play, uh, partying, wearing new clothes, new suits, laughing, playing music. You're sitting over there like a jerk in the same suit. Well, listen, I'm not. I look. I'm not going to tell you that I, I saw this coming. I did not see this coming. I I I did not think they were going to make the playoffs. But I thought that they were at least going to be relevant into August and and even September, and then at the end maybe just not have enough to to get all the way, which right. would have been fine. So that Philly game is the turning point for you. So the so the turning point was that Philly game. We were on the air that night. Yes. On the on the air. We were, right. We were doing this. Yeah. Fifty thousand channel. Fifty thousand watt. Right. You know, broadcasting live. But that was the game where they went to the ninth inning, down a run, and they came back and beat Papelbon to win the series. Yep. Kind of put the Phillies down for good. And they were and they were about to take off. They were about to soar. They had the worst team in baseball coming in for the weekend, the Cubs. They had the All Star break coming. Get themselves right. nice and, you know, nice, nice and fresh and back on track and they were gonna take off. Right. Dickie coming uh, you know, gonna start the all star game, David Wright going. Our biggest concern at that point was Wright getting slighted to start at third base. Right. And and Dickie, you know, was Dickie gonna get to start the All Star game? That's what, we, that's what we were worried about. And then they went into that Cubs game that Friday night and laid an egg again against a Cubs. bad Cubs team. Oh, uh, the Cubs. And I said, I don't like the looks of this at all. <laughs> One I, bit. I do not. Uh, we Again, we've, I've got, I have got the transcript to prove we were going back. I did not like their approach. I know. You didn't understand what's what's wrong with the approach. I understood. I'm not. I disagreed. You disagreed. I didn't right. think there was anything wrong. I didn't think their approach was any different. I see. Now this is this is where we disagree because I felt at some point they got away from what was what they were so successful at doing. They were working counts. They were taking good at bats. They were making pitchers work hard. You know, getting them out of games early. And in that Cubs series, they were swinging at first pitches. They were over anxious. I I, 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 I I didn't see that. I didn't like I didn't like the way it looked. Again, I'm, believe me, I did not see this coming. I know. I didn't think they were going to come out of the break and and lose every single game ever, except for one. That's right. Which that they, they uh, that they almost wound up blowing. Yeah. So, how did this happen? I can tell you. Tell me. The bullpen. It's more than the bullpen. But it's, go, not, it's not well, more than the bullpen. You take the bullpen. I'm go. stopping right there. No, I'm not going to go down your road. I disagree so I, with you. Uh, well, I, don't, I, I don't think the bloom is off the rose. I think rose is still blooming. All right, maybe not rose is still blooming. That's a little much. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly I have seal playing in my, my head. <laughs> why don't you... Why don't suddenly, you tell- suddenly kiss from a rose is on a... Oh, man. 
Why don't you tell the nice people what the problem with the bullpen was? No, all all, all I uh, here's the thing with the bullpen, and I those type of losses, uh, the losses they had against uh, coming out of the break against the Braves, or they blew a game. I mean, uh, are so ruinous that they they're ruinous to every part of the ball club, mm-hmm. and so it becomes a matter of when you get into a slide like this. The bullpen, it's 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 trickle down economics here. It's trickle down, crappy baseball. All right, voodoo, crappy baseball. Okay. Well, it's like willponomics. It's it's that when you have a bad bullpen, it poisons every other facet of the team, and it becomes a proposition where you don't have a very good lineup, and if that lineup goes into a slump, okay, you're in big trouble because. The bullpen can't cover you. Okay, if your starting pitching goes into a slump, you're in big trouble because the bullpen can't cover you. And so the bullpen blew a few of these games, uh, and all those other things happened at the same time. So the so the lineup did go into a slump. So it was David Wright, you know, uh, went into a slump uh, at the same time. Lucas Duda hasn't hit a home run since uh, you know 1997. Uh, you know, to the point where he got you know sent down, you know, I, I mean, just the lineup went into a complete stump. Then the starting pitching, which had been magnificent, loses Dylan G, who had been, you know, at worst serviceable, at best pretty good, loses Dylan G for the season. And don't, you know, don't downplay that, Cal. I mean, the guy was in the hospital with an aneurysm in his arm, you know, or or a blood clot. I guess it was a blood clot, not an aneurysm. Fine, I'm not a doctor. Okay. Though several of our friends are, and people were pretty impressed that we were friends with Dr. Dr. Erase Patch is unavailable. That's, that's correct. He was a big hit. A big hit. I made I made sure to stay very close to him all night. That's right. I know this guy. Uh, we're with the doctor. Yeah, we're, we're with him. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he had the, the, the blood clot in his arm. He's in the hospital. His dad's coming to see him. That was a bad situation. And, you know, he's coming off his best start of the year into the All-Star break. Right. I'm not. I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm just saying a bad bullpen is trickle down. No, it's, it's not. It, it's not an excuse. And when we talked about this team, one one of the things, the hallmark of this team was what a tight knit team this was. What the chemistry of this team was great. Terry Collins even said it. it's one of the best clubhouses he's ever been in, and he's been in you know in baseball for you know, fifty years, <laughs> approximately. So. When you bring up the when you bring up the point of Dylan G going down and it being such a serious thing, you know that they all probably took a step back, you know, and and that might have might have weighed on their psyche a little bit. Again, you you had a huge comeback win that you could have had against the Braves. You had a huge comeback win that you could have had against the uh, the the Nats. After that, you lose both those games. Bri, there's no telling what that does for their confidence if they get those games. Even one or two of them. What's I'm saying? Just those two. Give me those two games, and I guarantee you they would not have lost eleven of twelve coming out of the break. You're probably right. Uh, it, it's it's just so ruinous. So it's so it's it's like a it's like a chicken and the egg kind of thing, and you know the the bullpen is bad, and that's why the rest of the team kind of went into their slide, or what what came you know what came first. I, I tend to agree with you about the bullpen kind of precipitating this. Well, I think it precipitates it because of 
the other things we talk. I, I think it's the bullpen first because when you're uh, you can cover for you can only cover for a bad bullpen for so long. Again, if your starting pitcher falters and you give up a couple of runs early on, the lineup is completely deflated because they're like, hey, you know what? We can get five runs back out of the six. You know, we're down six runs. We get five back. We make it close by the fifth inning. There's no chance the bullpen is going to hold them there. We're going to have to get ten runs to win this game. Right. So it's ruinous there. It's ruinous when you're, you know, the starting pitcher, you know, like John Neese did, goes eight, leaves with the, leaves a three-two game, which is suddenly going to be a seven-two game. You know, and it's 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 terrible. I'm gonna stop using ruinous, although I really like it. Um, it's terrible when you're on the road and you come back against the other team's closer, uh, and you only tie it, or you even take a lead. You're not gonna win. You know, after uh, you know, Jordani Valdespin hit that three-run home run, right against Tyler Clippard in that second game of the series. Maybe the first game of the series against the Nats. Was it the first game? I think it was the first game. That was the it was the first game of that three game, game set. Yeah, which would have been huge to win that game. They had been handcuffed all night, and right. then Valdespin hits a two out three run homer for them to take the lead. They were coming off of being swept in Atlanta, and people are people are already tweeting. Mets fans, this is how bad this bullpen is. People are already tweeting. I'm not even excited. They still have to get three more outs. Like, like that's how bad it is. So, look, where are we? Let's talk about where we are. There's been a lot of crazy talk this week, Brian, about uh, uh, this team is ruined for 2013. Uh, you know, they didn't start Harvey. They started B- uh, Batista. That was a predictable, you know, predictable disaster. Um, you know, what's wrong with this front office? Sandy Alderson didn't make a move. Uh, they've given up. They've thrown up the white flag. The only way I'll, I'll stop anytime I get to something that's not true, or or I shouldn't say uh, not true, but not said. What of all of this? Because I know what I've taken. You and I have been like waiting to talk about this. What have you taken out of all these things that are being said about Alderson, Terry Collins, the Wilpons throwing up the white flag? What trades could they have made, etc.? Well. I think, and you said it at the beginning, everybody has to take a hit. Everybody's got to share in the accountability here. And that goes all the way up to Sandy Alderson. Because Sandy Alderson knew that this bullpen was the weak link. All right? I I think you and I both agree that those that are saying he should have made a move, he had, him, he had to bring somebody in here, he had to make a move. It's, it's not as easy as that. It's not fantasy baseball. It's not, you know, you, you call your friend up and say, hey, give me this guy. It, it doesn't work that way. I don't doubt that Sandy Alderson was looking. I don't know how hard he was looking. And the reason why I say that is because the stated goal of this team has always been for the future. And whatever was happening this year was great. And they were exceeding expectations so far that they never expected to be at this point in the season, being seven games over five hundred going into the All-Star break. They never expected that in a million years. And if there was something for him to do that wasn't going to compromise the future, he would have done it. But that being said, his goal was always about the future. It wasn't about this year. And he was willing, much probably to the chagrin of every Met fan out there, Sandy Alderson was willing to sacrifice this year to stay on track with his plan for the future. 
your thoughts. I <clears throat> wow, you, you you said a ton there. You're spot on uh, in many regards. However, I disagree. Uh, not disagree. I take issue with one idea, and that is the idea that if there was a move that could have been made to stop this to stop 14 out of 16, to stop the complete disintegration of a season before our eyes, uh, that didn't sacrifice a piece for the, fu- for the future, he would have made it. I mean, he would have made it. The only, the only trade we're hearing about is uh, uh, you know Dan, uh, Daniel Murphy for Gregerson, right, for the reliever on the Padres. Now, that came out that you know supposedly Sandy turned that down. Da- Sandy, because he's my boy. Uh, Sandy Olsen turned that down or whatever. Because uh, he didn't want to make that trade at that time, I don't, I don't have a huge problem with that because one arm, unless it was a closer. No, what what has gotten lost in all of this is that Frank Francisco, who was doing a decent job as their closer, got hurt. Right. You want to talk about precipitation? That precipitated all of this. The closer, who was doing a decent job, got hurt. Forcing guys into roles they're not good at, like Bobby Parnell. Like then you have to get Tim Burdak to pitch the eighth inning and pitch to righties, which is a disaster. Uh, I use disaster, sorry. Which is uh, uh, not great. You want Tim Burdak to be your lefty specialist. Or you have to call up Josh Edgen. So you have another lefty. You know, again, it puts guys in roles that weren't supposed to be there. Callum Frank Francisco doesn't get hurt. I'm not sure they lose 14 out of 16 either. Because as well, we talked about last week with Ted Berg, Bobby Parnell's not a closer. He cannot close. His stuff does not translate. Okay, to making the big pitch when he needs to. But back to Alderson, Bry. What was he supposed to do? Look, I, I. I, know, I hope you're not missing, misunderstanding me. I agree with you. If there wasn't a deal there to be made, he wasn't going to make it if it was going to sacrifice the future. But he's but taking a he's taking a beating. He shouldn't, thing, he shouldn't be taking a beating. I mean, even even Matt Cerrone on MetsBlog.com on SNY, you know, went off about this was their opportunity to get the fan base back, and they didn't do anything. They were thirty uh, forty six and thirty eight, and they didn't do anything. Well, you know what, pray tell you have to have a trade partner. He was this close to bringing K Rod back, which would have been great considering how well K Rod's pitched since. Uh, and I'm being completely facetious because K Rod has been awful since mm-hmm. taking over the closer road, uh, role from John Axford. He was this close to bringing K Rod back, but the uh, Brewers GM uh, is it Doug Melvin? Mm-hmm. It is. Uh, Doug Melvin d- didn't think that they were out of it yet. That was two and a half weeks ago. So he was trying to get another closer to fill in for Frank Francisco. I, I don't know what you can kill Sandy Alderson on. If anything, maybe it's not bringing up Harvey. Maybe it's running Batista out there for the, uh, for that Dodger start. Maybe I can I can get on him for that because the Batista situation was predictable. And you want you're not going to make a trade. Give your fans something to keep up the goodwill in them. As, as, as Max Mercy says to Roy Hobbs, hey, give him a little something to keep up the goodwill in you. 
You know? Forget it. Forget about the good. Forget about the goodwill. Matt Harvey gave you a better chance to win that game than Miguel. Bates. And he gave you a better chance to win the game. I mean, we said that on the show the week before it happened. Last he was, I was. I was tweeting back and forth with Michael Barron about this. That I thought they should have brought him up for that start because at that time you're going to be able to insert him into the starting rotation. You're going to get ten or fifteen start or twelve or fifteen starts out of him. He's your best option to win. You know, out of those fifteen games, you need to win ten of them. So, but they didn't do it. But I, again, that's a minor thing. Because Cal, what happens if they bring him up and he gets shelled on that Saturday afternoon in his first game at home and he gets booed coming off the mound? I mean, you're talking about risking a potential, you know, two, one or two or big time starter in your organization for one game. And frankly, what they had lost five of six at that point. Six of seven. Well, no. The the decision was made well before they had lost those other games. Well, right. So basically, when they made that decision, they had lost four of five. Right. Going into that game, they, they had they lost, had six, lost, of lost six of seven. And then, but, um, but, but when the decision was made, they had lost four or five. Right. You don't think it's going to be this tailspin. So, no. I have no problem with Alderson. And one more person says... What does Dee Podesta do? What is oh this this well, high, oh, yeah. high price front office? What do they do? Well, well, let me just tell you. Here it is. Okay, Paul Dee Podesta runs the draft. That's what he does. That's why he's paid a million dollars a year. Why? Because he's fantastic at it. Because and he's, he and he's, he's going to be the GM in a couple of years. That's right. Either that was my next point. JP Ricciardi is there. Uh, to run the team on a day-to-day basis. Sandy Alderson is 60, what, 65? Came out of retirement to take this job. One of those two guys will be the heir apparent. They have very specific roles, and they're very good at them. Very good at them. So you want to know what Paul D. Podesta is doing there? Your entire minor league organization is now better. How's that? I don't know why I turned into <laughs> my grandmother there. <laughs> All right? How do you like them apples? Choo-choo baby. That's another my grandma used to say. Choo-choo baby. Choo-choo baby. I think it was from Choo-choo Coleman. Don't forget, my grandmother, uh, early Met fan from their origin, because she was a Brooklyn Dodger fan, I think she was a Choo-choo Coleman fan. The Mets on that 62 team had Choo-choo Coleman and Hot Rod Keneal. Oh, and Marvelous Marv Thronberry. And Marvelous Marv Thronberry. The self-named. Right. Right, you named himself that. How look? I'm not. You, look, he's got to take. He's got to take some responsibility because it is his job to try to improve the team. Yeah, and he didn't, and he didn't improve the team. But what? It, I, even the, the even, people, the people failing in the bullpen. Whose people are they? They're his, they're his people. No, they're not. Roush is his guy. But how? Ramon has, Ramirez is his guy. Has Roush been that bad? Yeah. He's would you bad. have traded for Ramon Ramirez? Of course, Ramon I would Ramirez have. has been fantastic the last two years. Of course, but at hindsight, he's, but he's what about been bad. Bobby? What about Bobby Parnell? Bobby Parnell pitched well when he didn't have to pitch in the ninth inning. I, but whose guy is he? He's Omar Minaya's guy. Okay. All right. Yes, and that and when the 80, Mets eighty percent eighty percent of that bullpen is Omar Minaya's. Right, and when the Mets were winning and everybody was, was, was taking bows for Omar Minaya and making sure that we didn't forget that Omar Minaya put this team together. Right. Mysteriously, we have not heard the name Omar Minaya during no, the last No, but it's falling apart. Years. Haven't heard that name. 
and we and like we said at the time, Brian, you know, even when there were seven or eight games over five hundred, congratulations, he put together a team that's probably going to win eighty two games. Congrats, that's great, good job. Mm-hmm. Like that's the huge. But oh well, that's not the point. The point is, you know, everybody said he left the farm system barren. Well, he did. He left the farm system completely barren. And his big guys are not there. Look, we've done that a million times. Yeah, that's 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 not the point right now. The Terry point... Collins, Terry is is Terry Collins uh, is the bloom off your rose. Uh, that sounds filthy. It sounds filthy. Well, it, it feels filthy, Steve. I'm not going to lie to you. Can we come up with something else? Because that no. feels uh, no. Because it's... the way that this season has gone, yeah, I want to take a shower twice dirty. a day. Dirty. Watching this team. Did you ever? See, did you see that uh, walking sketch where they're doing? Uh, Oh, God, he's Not like continental, the, is it? No, no, no. He's like the high school musical teacher, and they're doing Grease, and no. they're like singing the song from Grease, <laughs> and he's like, uh, and they get to like uh, the Chicksel Cream or whatever, and yeah. he goes, wait, wait, do you know what that means? And the kid like whispers, oh, the kid, the cast member whispers in his ear, and he goes, oh, that's filthy, starty, starty, no, no, let's do something else. Say, how about the chicks will be excited? It was like something like it was like great, like they were changing all the lyrics. But it was the the conceit with uh, them like whispering in his ear what they what it actually means. Oh, that's dirty, it's filthy. Uh, anyway, Bloom is off the rose. Yes, you do need a shower. I do, and and the thing with Terry Collins is, I'm not going to go the other way and say, ah, see. Lifelong um, retread, and and this is why he never succeeds everywhere he goes. Same old Terry Collins. I'm not going to say that at all. Okay. Not at all. Good. Um, but what I am, the manager is responsible for the way the team performs. Ultimately, you know, it's 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 one of those tricky well, management. He's, he's held responsible. Yeah, right. it's one of those tricky management things where. He can't go out there and hit the ball, and he can't go out there and throw the ball. And yet, you can't fire the team. And you can't fire the team, yet he's the one that's responsible for it. So he's got to use his managerial skills to get his talent to perform right, and to behave a certain way. If he's if he's getting credit when they're overachieving, he's got to take a hit when they're underachieving. Yeah, right? and, you know, and, what, and you're right. And what happened yesterday with Tim Burdak calling out Josh Tolley, it's, it speaks to a problem in the room, I think. When two guys are, are fighting with each other like that, it's yeah. ma- now to his credit, to his credit, he, he, he did everything that he could to nip it in the bud yesterday. Yeah. He got the two of them on the same page. Yeah. Now, I don't know if, if Burdak is on the same page as, as Dan Warden, the pitching coach, still. He might right. still have a problem with him. Yeah, because yeah, you know, Warren uh, came to Tolly's defense and said, "I called the pitch." But you know, here's a little tip for uh, Tim Burdak: try not to throw a freaking fastball right down the middle of the plate. You know, I mean, there's only so much <laughs> Josh Tolly can do if you miss by that much. And and you know, do me a favor, get a lefty out. You know what I mean? Come on, job. Come on. You, this is what drives me crazy about bullpens, Cal. There's seven guys. They have one job. Some of them have. A really specific job, That's like correct. get one guy out. You're trying. You're supposed to get me seven outs. Usually, you know, nine to twelve outs in a game. There's seven of you. I did not like the other night. Um, 
in the uh, in the Washington game. Yeah, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to remember who they played in the Washington game the other night when Tejada got spiked by oh, uh, Roger Bernardino. How many times do we have to see this? Right. So he gets spiked by Bernardino. Yeah. And then in the next inning, there's another there's a double play where the Mets are involved in it, and Andres Torres just kind of tails off to the side. Well, look, look, look didn't they, even didn't even slide. No, it was a tie game. They gave up five runs or six runs. Right. Yeah. To make it an eight to two game, so it was a two two game in the tenth, and then all of a sudden it's an eight to two game. That's when Tejada drops the the comebacker from Burdak and and uh, double play. You know, Justin Turner hits a double play ball. Andres Torres on first base doesn't even slide. It runs out of the way. And right. Ronnie Darling took him to complete task, and, and rightfully and, so. And rightfully so. And I'm, and I wasn't looking for Torres to go in. I would have been nice for Torres to go in there and knock knock the second baseman on his butt. That's right. But at least I, slide. But at least slide. At least finish the play. Yes. He he just he quit on the play completely. Be a professional. Right. And that and and again, Terry That's Collins has got to be right. held accountable for that. Okay. Somewhat. I, I yes. I want to do a couple of things. We got we still got to talk about the Yankees and each. There's, there's a lot to no, do. No, 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 no. It's all good. We'll, we'll talk about whatever we want to talk about, baby. I, I, I'm, I'm a little worked just, up. I'm sorry. I just turned into Conan there. <laughs> Come on, my baby. I just like when he said that, Conan. Conan? I used to like Conan. What happened? He, you know, he got old. Oof. I don't. He got you old know, quickly. and I don't mean that in a bad way. I, I, I still think he's probably. Relevant. He's one of the funniest guys, you know, on television. But what a what a difficult situation with the Tonight Show and all that stuff, Bry. It really I, was. I think that took its toll on him. And I think he was robbed. I mean, I think he should have gotten late night. I mean, uh, 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 he should have gotten the Tonight Show not under those auspices. You know what I mean? Well, Where it's like you know, it was uh, they were waiting for him to fail and. I think our I think our producer is trying to uh, tell us that uh, this happened like three years ago. Is it breaking news? Yeah. Or breaking news from 2010. Okay, right. sarcastic. Got right. it. Right. That's the sarcastic news. Got one. it. Right. Thank I you. Didn't, I didn't see uh, the tag. That was a sarcastic uh, use of a cart. Very well done. <laughs> we well, we deserve that one. That was a sarcastic cart. Uh, I don't think we've ever talked about Conan O'Brien on the show in two and a half years, right? So pardon me. Okay? Sorry. Wow. Gosh. Relevance police at the door. That Deborah Norville got robbed, too. <laughs> no one was going to replace Jane Pauley. You know oh, who should... <laughs> I was just about to say, you know who should have had a big career? Jane Pauley. That Deborah Norville got robbed. Got robbed. <laughs> she did. You know, and then, and you know, Norville's sitting there. She's doing the show, and she's got Corrick in the back, waiting to take that seat. You know who could have been a big? I mean, come on, Jesus Jones could have been big. I mean, that's a good song. You know, how do they not parlay that into, you know, sort of like a big career? <laughs> Speaking of semi-sonic, <laughs> one song. Huge. I tell you. Um, <laughs> look, you had a you had a wild idea. I want you to throw it out there because this, this is what we can do on our show. You had a wild, uh, crazy idea about uh, trading Ike Davis. Well, spoiler! Did I did I ruin it? Wow! 
Good good setup there. Uh, to, Bruce Willis see. is dead. See, the thing is, at the end, Rosebud <laughs> is a sled. Now I'm spoiling a, a 75-year-old movie. Oh, boy. That no one's ever seen. And Leno gets the Tonight Show back. Leno gets the Tonight Show back, by the way. Spoiler oh. alert. Have you ever seen uh, Citizen Kane, Cal? A long time ago. What do you think the percentage is? We're going to talk about trading Ike Davis. What do you think the percentage is of people who say they've seen Citizen Kane and people who have actually seen Citizen Kane? Very low. Like, what do you say the ratio is? Very low. For every ten people that say they've seen Citizen Kane, one and a half have actually seen it. I would say that's about right. Yep. I would say I would I would make it two. Well, and I, uh, the half would be like a kid. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> the half is a, some seven-year-old. Right. Like if we go to Emma. <laughs> right. Yeah, because she'll tell you, yeah. She'll, she'll, she'll tell you, yeah, she saw it. She'll admit everything. Oh, yeah. No, no not, not as a cartoon. I love it. <laughs> Rosebud is a sled. Uh, Peach, what do you think of that, Peach? I wonder what you would put that percentage at. People that have seen Citizen Kane and say they've seen Citizen Kane. In the circles I run in, I'd say it's I'd say it's fifty fifty. But uh, you, I think, have nailed it. It's you know, come on. Didn't <laughs> come we have on. a joke about people who, who uh, always talk about Billy Holiday? No, I don't think I don't think we have. You know, it's right next to my Billy Holiday records. Oh, stop it! You don't listen to Billy Holiday. Right. Oh, that's, that's well. That's the the classic line in Clueless, right? When when she gets in the car, she's like, "Oh, what are we listening to?" And he's like, "Billy Holiday." She's like, "I love him." <laughs> <laughs> that's at uh, Billy Holiday is absolutely a perfect example. People who the actually name, or it's, uh, it's something you drop for street cred. That's right. You know, it's another good one. Nina Simone. I love Nina Simone. Right. You actually do, though. But, like, I guarantee you, you you whip that one out and people are like, oh, I love Nina Simone. Never. Can I tell you, can I tell you how listen. much I like Citizen Kane? No. I can quote. I can quote from the Roger Ebert accompanying auto, audio track that you listen wow. to. When you're when you're watching Citizen Kane, and he does this whole two-hour commentary on the film as it's happening, I can drop quotes from that. Wow, that's like uh, me watching the complete Beatles. Mm. Like I can't just uh, I can not only tell you about the Beatles' entire career, I can do it <laughs> from the documentary of the complete Beatles <laughs> while using that. Actually, it's called the Beatles Complete, by the way. That would be a good performance art piece. If we're being technical. You walk into a theater and you walk in with a chair and recite the whole thing. (laughs) Worst performance piece ever. (laughs) It was well attended for the first four minutes. (laughs) Then everybody left and cursed you. There's probably a a, a million of those. I want you to uh, think of some of those, Peach. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Mets, but I want you to think of some of those. Those street cred one. Billy Holiday is a fantastic one. Did you just give him an assignment? No, no, just something to think about. That's all. Can you effort that, PJ? <laughs> oh, PJ never. I don't even, that's a power <laughs> word, and I I don't entertain power words. That was, that was, that was street cred. 
PJ's never worked in an office. He does not know. We need that by EOD, Peach. You'd be like, EOD? Why do we need it by EOD? Why don't we just take this conversation offline? When does, right. when does the EOD come? Is that you in know your what? skill set? Or? They don't invite me to those meetings on purpose. That's right. You just you just completely officed him. He has no idea what you're talking about. No idea. Uh, no, no idea. Can't understand a word. Is there is there chocolate involved, and will I be eating it? <laughs> he wanted to effort this. F. Wow. What are you, Barbarino? What are you? Well, that well, would that's be the response. I couldn't resist right. saying something like that anyway. Hey, effort this, <laughs> Mister Carter. This looks so weird. It's like so weird over here. We were talking about the Mets, and then you like talk about Conan O'Brien. That's terrible. That's, you know what that is? Once again, it's me That's doing David, David Carvey. Doing John Travolta. <laughs> oh boy! One of these days, all of I'll your do. impressions come through a prism of Saturday Night Live. First. That's true. It's pretty true. It's pretty true. Wow! Not all of them, but well, I don't think you think to do an impression until you see someone else killing it, and then you realize I should be doing. It. <laughs> so you're saying I'm a ripoff artist? Is what you're saying? Did I say that? Basically, I didn't say that. <laughs> Not in so many words. Right. Don't you, you have a Richard? For the fun load, Richard... I'm going to give myself uh, an assignment for the fun load. I'm going to write down five original things you've done. Wow. So I'll be back at midnight. <laughs> don't you? Don't you have a Richard Klein impression to do for us, real quick? Ah, who is that? <laughs> I'm thinking of the right guy, right? We were talking about uh, David Klein. Yeah, oh yeah, no, that's he's perfect. He's in that. He's in that. Uh, that genre. Early '80s Carson comedians. Yeah. Well, he's a '70s guy though too, right? Richard yeah. Klein's been around for 140. '70s, '80s, sure. What the heck is Richard Klein? Richard Klein. You know who Richard I... Klein is? Oh, come now. Robert Klein. Robert. That's, that's why. I know All Robert right, Klein. Bad. All right, my bad. My bad. You don't know his brother Richard? <laughs> <laughs> Very, very bitter. Didn't quite make it as much as his brother. The Klein brothers. Right. Back to the Mets. Wasn't everybody named Richard at that time? <laughs> everybody was named Klein. That's right. Um, back to the Metropolitans. So you want to trade Ike Davis, you crazy, you monk. Yeah, listen, you want, you know, let's go back to the bloom being off the rose, if we will. You know, let's, you know we've, we've done it all night. Let's just go back to it. Why? I don't like what I see out of Ike Davis. Why is it, though, that suddenly this team, and, and this factors into your Ike Davis comment, and then I, I do want to get to that David Wright, Don Mattingly thing. And then and then we can move on. And then we'll move on. Why is it that all of a sudden uh, the rebuild is off till until until 2014, by the way? Like, yeah, I don't, is, I don't... Why is Sandy Alderson's inaction to do anything, is them giving up on this season and looking towards 2014. Well, Every is with an eye on 2014. Right, uh, because the guys that they have that they've brought up are not good enough to play next year, and they're the ones that are going to be here. So as 2013 is out the window. It's absolutely nonsense. It's nonsense. I know. I, oh, I, I know. I, I, I know. just that, that drove me a little crazy. Uh, but I would, you know what? Though, Bri, honestly, all bets are off. Anybody's available that's not named Wright, uh, R.A. Dickey, or 
Actually, that's about it. Well, can well listen. Honestly, I, I'm making. Yeah. I'm, I'm not trading David Wright. They're going to sign David Wright. Can everybody just calm down? Can they just calm down? But but can you understand why people are nervous about that? No, you can't understand that. Are, are you new around here? He Is has an option, Brian. Yeah, why no, would I, you I get that. give him an extension? In the off season, you want to give him the extension? Absolutely. Yes, I'm, but I, but can you understand people not trusting that the Mets are going to do the right thing here? I can understand people being nervous that the Will Ponds are going to screw this up. Yes, yes that and that's what. However, that's what out of. however, he has an option. So and even if they screw it up in the off season, they're going to pick up his option, and then and he's, he's going to be gone. No. Let me finish. And then they'll have an entire season to make up for screwing up, for not signing him in the offseason. Can I counterpoint that? Of course. Okay. He he called off the dogs this Mitchell. <laughs> I think it was the Jane Pauley reference. That was <laughs> We're very we're very much nightly news right now. Go ahead. That's uh, like Br- Brinkley and Huntley. Uh-huh. Um what? Who? I'm Brinkley. And I'm Todd Huntley. The um Did they have a show? Yeah, it was Todd Hunt. He was very sleepy, though. Really... <laughs> That's right, according to Bobby V. Bobby Valentine didn't like the show. Mm-hmm. Um, David Wright, when had when he had the opportunity to negotiate a contract this year, he didn't. He doesn't want the distraction. So I don't have. I don't think he's going to want to negotiate during the season next year. That essentially leaves you this off season to make it happen. Because then if he doesn't get it done in the offseason, he will play out next year's option, and then he will be so close to free agency that he will have no choice but to test the waters. That's how I see that's okay. my fear. I, look, your, your point is correct that I don't blame Met fans for not trusting the Wilpons to screw this up. However, in my estimation, everybody calm down. They're going to sign. They're going to sign him to an extension. You you show remarkable faith in an ownership group that has done nothing I to do. disappoint you for the last thirty years. You know what they have done, Bry? They've spent money. When they can, they've always spent money, and they got the decision in the Madoff case. That's why everybody going crazy about Sandy Alderson not adding this or not adding that or not adding this piece or whatever in the off season. You're missing a key point. The assets of the team were frozen. He had about $10 million to spend. That's it. Operating capital. That's it. So him not signing people is not because he didn't want to. It's because they need to. They needed to thrash the payroll down to where it was because their assets were frozen until there was a decision in the Madoff case. Hey, look, the, the one thing the Wilpons do is spend money. I don't see. I don't see. There's if David Wright continues to have the season he's having, okay, and I think hopefully he will. He's in a bit of a swoon right now, and he's still hitting 340 with 15 home runs and 65, 70 RBIs. He's having a very good season. His defense has been fantastic. He was a, a leader again the other day. He broke up the Tolly Burdak fight. I'm going to get to a point about him and Mattingly in a minute. Brian, they're going to sign him. I think they want to see a healthy season out of him. He's had three really bad years. Unhealthy years. Got hit in the head. Broke his back. Yeah, but Steve, 
they were willing to negotiate now. They didn't want to, they, they had seen all they needed to see this year. They were willing to negotiate, and he didn't want to. But, but Brian, he didn't want to during the season. That doesn't mean he's not going to want to in the offseason, and he has an option year. He's oh, not no. a straight-up free agent. Look, look, we agree that they're going, they're going to try to sign him. And they're going to try to give him that extension in the off season. I just, I'm, I am, I am not willing to put all my faith in the fact that they're going to get it done. Wouldn't that be on him? It could be. I mean, if they, so, then that's not on ownership. Unless they lowball him. They could lowball. They could lowball him. They could Jeremy Lin him. <laughs> oh, Jalen. My goodness, has has ever, anybody ever has any athlete in this town ever been more revered and protected for a 25 game career than Jeremy Lin? Holy cow! Oh my goodness! I, wow! Sports talk the last the last week since he left. You'd think that it was. I mean, did, <laughs> did Derek Jeter walk out of town? Holy mackerel! Yikes! <laughs> oh, this little mini Letterman now. Hey, no. Can no. I... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Last one was gratuitous. Oh, it was so self-indulgent. I, I, I think they, I think they will get it done. That's my opinion. Okay. All right, my last I thing. David, I think David Wright signs like a six-year, you know, ninety million dollar extension or something like that, and and they get it done. I mean, he's going to be thirty, right? He's going to be thirty in December. Or is he going to be 31 in December? He's going to be 30 in December. All right. So, all right. So, yeah, six years. You do six years, 90 million? Yes. Yeah, done. Does he? Why wouldn't he? 90 million? Is he going to get more than that, Bri? At yeah. Age Where? Coming off, coming off of a potential MVP season? Let's also keep in mind that that includes next year's 15 million or 16 million option a year. Well, they ripped that up. Because they're going to renegotiate. Why would they rip that up? Keep well, them at they, sixteen million, and then give them six years on top of that. Well, at whatever, they, whatever they do, like they, I guess that what they did with Santana. That's right. I, I think it gets done. Um, you don't see any chance that they trade R.A. Dickey. Oh no, no, no! I didn't say that. Well, that was my I, question. I, I, question. I, 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 I could see them trading anybody except David Wright. Okay, I thought you said Wright and Dickey. No, no, those are the two guys that I don't want to trade. Short of. Short of. Short O. Um, because uh, while everybody's been uh, knuckling around and reading <laughs> books and, you know, <laughs> talking about Star Wars, Ari Dickey hasn't had a good start in a month. Wow. That's a, wow. That's a little strong. Well, he, he Didn't he start- have a good start against the Dodgers? Um, in that three-game, uh, three, game, uh, three out of four? Did he? I, th- I think he did. Okay, he had one. He's had one uh, one good start in the last month. He's, he's, had, he's had three bad starts. Four. Four bad starts. He struggled. Not, I won't even say bad. He struggled. I agree. You know, and he's definitely come back to earth. And you think it's the book tour? He's not on a book tour. No, but I'm saying you think it's all the stuff with the book and the appearances and the letterman and the all-star game thing and the guy or... It was it was because that, cause that's when when he became sort of this national. It was after the one hitter against the Orioles. His second, no, his first one. The second, no, that hitter. was the second one. Second one hitter. Right. That's second, when no like about it. we put a statue outside City Field. I know. That's when he exploded into into the national consciousness. 
Right. And since then, he struggled a little bit. Now, I don't, I don't know if it's a coincidence or not. I think maybe, you know, he was on just such a magical run that it was due to even out. Right. The old market adjustment. <laughs> Another one. Is that what it is? Yeah. The old market adjustment? what it was you know nice. he's outperforming expectations and, and ultimately you have no choice but to expect that it's going to come back to reality right especially if you're a met it adjusts itself right all right my last thing here's my last thing you talk about trading ike davis here's what i don't like about ike davis ike davis to me complains way too much for a guy who's been in the big leagues for less than three years and is batting 200 Right? Yeah, can't argue with it. Hasn't proven anything. He had a good three quarters of a season a year ago in his rookie year. All right, you want to give him the full? We'll give him the full year. He had a good. He had a good rookie year. He started hitting really well at the beginning of last year, and then he got hurt, missed the rest of the year. Came back this year, hasn't been able to hit to, to save it. I mean, he, he, you, you put him up against the lefty. And he looks like a little leaguer, the way that he swings the bat. And so many times he's just he's fooled by a slider or a breaking pitch, and he swings like he's just kind of like, ah, I'm not gonna hit it. Ah, he's just very lackadaisical. <laughs> and that and and he's taken that approach into the field too. That was the one thing you could always say about Ike Davis was, oh, he's not hitting, but he's a dynamite first baseman. He's a great fielder, and he has been sloppy all season. I don't like the attitude. I don't like the laissez-faire approach to defending at first base. And I do not like the confrontational nature with which he engages the umpires. There's a, uh, there might be a little entitlement issue with Ike. I feel like there might be. His father was a big league big yeah, baseball son player. Of a, son of a major leaguer. And which is I, funny because you, you always brought up the fact that if anybody should get it, right. it's, it's the kid of a major league ball player. Yeah, I mean, you know, the pedigree is there with with Ike and and son of a, a good major leaguer, you know, a, a solid major leaguer. Um, yeah, you know, I, again, Brian, I don't I don't think anything's off the table if it's going to improve the team for 2013. Um, you know, I think I could see them moving Murphy to an American League team. You know, the the A's might be a perfect landing spot. How about the A's are doing a nice job? Always sort of a second favorite team, Cal. Always sort of a second favorite team as a kid. Okay. Um, and uh, then after I read Moneyball, of course, they became probably my de facto second favorite team in baseball. They're, are they your American League team? They're they're my second favorite team. Wow. Okay. Overall, because I don't like any other National League teams. So, um, it, you know, I could see them moving Daniel Murphy to an American League team. I could see them moving one of those useful bullpen arms. <laughs> If there is one, uh, but I could see them trying to get. But if you're going to do that, I said this to you the other day. Can you get me an outfielder that's maybe close to the major leagues? Oh my goodness, that because was great. I had not even thought of of their, the lack of production. Their most but. right, their most productive outfielder is journeyman Scott Harrison, and uh, they don't have anybody close to the major leagues, Bry. They really don't. Uh, the closest would maybe be Matt Dendecker. May, maybe Dendecker, and he's not. He's a, a, a defensive guy. You know who the, the closest to the major leagues right now is Lucas Duda. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. 
And uh, wow. we've seen we've seen him pout his way to AAA Buffalo. Uh, but hold, hold hold on. I wanted to talk about that. I'm sorry. I'm, and then you get to your David Wright, Don Mattingly thing. But since you brought it up, these reports about Lucas Duda having a bad attitude. Yes. What is what is this about? I, I, I mean, I mean, how about that? What, what, what's that? How about wow? That? You just broningoed me. I did well only because I didn't hear. I heard that there were these reports, but I didn't read the reports. So I just I wanted you to explain it to me a little bit more. The the reports are based on the fact that when he started to sit, uh, as he did when he got called up and started out 0 for 32, uh, he starts to hang his head. Oh yeah. And he starts to get he starts to get a little bit. It seems like he gets a, a little bit like a third grader. Oh yeah, is that what he did? He hung his head. Yeah, is that what he did? <laughs> Brian here is is uh, Im- imitating a, a local uh, New York uh, sports show host. Who's? I mean, they're just awful. They're awful. I haven't listened to him in a year, and I oh, listened to him for gosh. the first time today, and just tough, tough. Listen, let's move on. What so, the tough guy act with Roberts? Seriously, what is with the confrontational tough guy act? <laughs> It's so weird. I don't want to hear about how the Mets were a good team to watch in the beginning of the season. I don't want to. It's garbage to me. And I'll tell you another thing. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear. Well, he doesn't want to hear a lot of stuff. No. He he doesn't want to hear. This is. uh, I don't want. I don't want the. I don't want the Knicks playing in my building on opening night. I don't want that. I don't want a lot of that. I don't want that. And tell Daniel Stern. Daniel Stern? (laughs) Richard Klein. Richard Klein. Tell Daniel Stern. His voiceover on the Wonder Years was awful. (laughs) Although Um, I I wonder if David Stern had done the voiceover, if it would have been a better show. It would have (laughs) been. I don't think it was possible for it to be a better show. No, it was brilliant. Not a fan when it was on, though. No, I was a re- I was a rerun guy. Yeah, I only know one person who actually watched it when it was on TV, and it's you. You can guess this. It's completely well, I, it's completely appropriate. I know who it was because he looks just like Fred Savage. Right, Doctor Erased that. Well, he did at the time. No, I'm saying he's the only guy I know who watched it when it was actually like in prime no, time. No, no, no. He looked like Fred Savage at the time. Yes. Now I don't think so much, but he still does. Um, here's the right thing, okay? This occurred to me the other day when uh, Craig Carton here in New York suggested that now that the Mets season has completely bottomed out, they should trade, and A-Rod has broken his hand, uh, the Mets should trade David Wright to the Yankees. Trade And it started all the trade David Wright stuff again. Because he's going to be in an option year, you haven't given him an extension, get whatever you can for you gotta him. You've got to get something for him. So, right, get yeah, something so when, for him, et cetera, et cetera. So when you suggest, what, do you, which, what would the Yankees give him? I don't care. It doesn't matter. Just get anything. Right. His answer, right. His answer was, uh, Craig Carton's answer was, well, who would you get for David Wright? Doesn't matter. Just trade him. Get something for him. Which spurred, of course, Yankee fans calling up WFAN over and over again, actually suggesting, suggesting that the Mets would take uh, Eduardo Nunez for David Wright. Or Dave Robertson, because they need bullpen help, and the Yankees have Jabba coming back. Anyway. It got me to thinking about Don Mattingly and how Don Mattingly 
and David Wright are having very similar careers in that you just you know David Wright is definitely the captain of the Mets. Uh he was on some successful teams in 2006, 2007, 2008. I mean, those are 89 win teams. Uh went to the playoffs though only that one year. And now, you know, is playing is a good player on some bad teams. And has been a good player on some bad teams the last few years here in New York. And it got me wondering two things. One, was there like trade Mattingly so he could be on a winner uh, uh, talk fodder uh, uh, at the time? Because Don Mattingly didn't play in the playoffs until 1995, the last year of his career. Had never played in a playoff game. In fact, I think he like was the active leader in games without appearing in a playoff game. Until 95 when they lost to Seattle, when the Yankees lost to Seattle. Was there like the call in like 91 or 92 to trade him to a winner so he could experience a good clubhouse and uh, and, and be on a winning team because he's, 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 he's earned it. He's this great player who's earned it like there is for David Wright. I don't remember. Yeah, I'm going to say no. Okay. I'm going to say the reason that David Wright is brought about that way by writers like, I don't know, Joel Sherman, Bill Madden, here in New York, is because he's on the Mets. Nobody gets traded away from the Yankees, despite the fact that at that point they had not been in the playoffs in 14 years. Nobody gets traded away from the Yankees to go experience something better. But let's get David Wright off the Mets. He's earned it. It's not fair that David Wright has had to play for this team at this time. So that's one way their comparisons are the same. The other one I hope is not accurate is that they only have the one playoff appearance. Right. Like a fantastic career. David Wright in 2006, you thought they were going to go to the playoffs every year. You know? And he did too, I think. Uh, Yeah. And Mattingly only went to the playoffs that one year in 95. When he was, you know, not even, you know, he was still, he was sort of like a shell of the former player that he had been. Here's the problem with that comparison, though. Back then, there was only one level of playoffs to get into for Mattingly, and Wright had well until '95. Until '95, and that's when he got in. <laughs> that was right. the wild card. That's right. <laughs> I mean, the only year he got in the playoffs was when they the had the wild card. card. That's right. I just I think it's an interesting comparison. I think David Wright, you know, hopefully he plays uh, for Met fans who have become big fans of his. Hopefully he plays his whole career with the Mets. Um, uh, I think he's probably going to amass pretty good numbers, probably not Hall of Fame numbers, but pretty good numbers. Uh, you can make a case for Mattingly for the Hall of Fame. I see them having very similar, you know, captaincy of a of a of a, t- a downtime for the team. You know, I mean, is there any right that uh, any doubt that Wright is the captain right now? I don't think so. I think he's captain. I I just thought it was an interesting comparison, Brian. I wanted to get your your opinion. I think it's a a really good comparison. Um, You can can even, you know, you want to talk about they both had back problems. (laughs) You know? uh, I want to tell you they're both very handsome. We could take it a number of ways. They, They... They have an affinity for wrestling with Mel Hall. That's correct. So, no, it's, it's odd. <laughs> I, no, no, I think it's a, Mel Hall doing it in the, in the Mets clubhouse. <laughs> it's 
fellas. Who wants to wrestle? Who wants to wrestle? Why, why is Mel Hall here? Wouldn't it be great if every back injury in Major League Baseball was caused by wrestling with Mel Hall? With Mel Hall, right. Right. That's his legacy. <laughs> That's his legacy. <laughs> um, although, remember, when Mel Hall first came up, he was supposed to be a really good ball player. He was supposed to be like Willie Mays and he Willie a, McCuffey wrapped in one. He was a Cubs future star and couldn't couldn't believe they traded him to the Indians. Couldn't believe it. I was shocked. They were dancing in the streets of Cleveland. Again. Well, again. <laughs> like the beginning of the Drew Carey show. As a matter of fact, that was a clip from when they acquired Mel Hall. <laughs> they used that scene. Right. It was when it was the day that Corey Snyder was called up. They they used that. Scene. Remember there? Uh, that's the famous Sports Illustrated cover, right? Corey Snyder and Andre Thornton. No, Joe Carter. Was it Joe Carter? I think it's Joe Carter and Corey Snyder, and like the tribe is back. Right. I think it was Joe Carter. I really do. Maybe Julio Franco. Could have been Julio Franco. Hopefully. Uh, hopefully. I I like your comparison. I think I think it's good. I hope it's it's still it's still too soon to make that comparison. Hopefully, because we'd like to see the second yeah. half of David Wright's career and how it plays out. But absolutely to this, to this point, pretty pretty good comparison. Yeah, and and he's played seven years. You know, this is his eighth season with the Mets. David Wright's seventh full. Uh yeah, you know so I mean it's you know he's been and I think Mattingly only played what twelve thirteen years because of the back. Mattingly came up in eighty two and retired in ninety five. Ninety five, right? Uh, in any case, uh, I don't think there were these because uh, you know WFAN was really in its infancy then, but I don't think there there were these articles written about how uh, the Yankees owe it to Don Mattingly to trade him to a winner. Uh, yeah. Uh, where they are about David Wright immediately when the Mets started to tank. Immediately. Right. Immediately you have to trade him. Well, that's – we had we had it at the beginning of the season. Yes. And then that the Mets started to win. Right. Went away. Right. That was going to be the story. All and right. Now the narrative is back. But Yank- that's it. Let's see. Let's enough of the Mets. Yankees. The Yankees. An hour of Mets talk is, is yeah. I think especially after having Berg on last week, and I do want to talk about the Jets and the Giants quickly on the Yankees. Um, they 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 had a two and five trip, big deal. Uh, a Rod down. They're going to fill in with Chavez and uh, Eric Chavez and uh, Knicks. Um, Cal, they go and get Ichiro for uh, a bag of donuts and tickets to Book of Mormon. So that's that's good. Good seats, I understand. Orchestra? Orchestra orchestra seats. Very solid. Good seats. Um, Okay. I think what outrages people, I think the the indignance, uh, if that's a word, might not be. um, Indignity? Indignity? No. I I think the anger of people uh, calling up about the Yankees getting Ichiro and also Yankee fans calling to defend Ichiro was misplaced. Because the Yankee fan calling up to defend it is like, you know, we didn't get Cliff Lee and see what happens. We got to win in the playoffs. And it's not a lot of money. We're not, you know, it's no money or whatever. It's not, they didn't get Ichiro because it's a money move, whatever. And you're, you're sort of missing the, and I, and I hate to stereotype Yankee fans, but uh, because there's a ton of good ones out there, but you're, you're sort of missing the point. The point to me is that, well, I, I'll let a Seattle fan who tweeted it that night, because of course Ichiro's first game as a Yankee had to be against the Mariners. Uh, 
you know, I'm driving to uh, Safeco Field to see the Mariners wearing my Ichiro uh, jersey, wearing my Mariners Ichiro jersey, uh, to see my superstar, who was my leadoff hitter yesterday, bat effing eighth for the Yankees. <laughs> and I think that's what drives people sort of nuts. I think that's what drives you a little crazy. Is that, you know, a small market team like the Mariners, which they are, um, Itro is the biggest star in the galaxy, and then he gets traded to the Yankees and he's hitting eighth. And playing left field. Playing out of position. That's the best part. So you sort of get a little ill when you look at the, look at the lineup. It's just, I mean, I, I don't, I'm sure it's happened, but I don't recall, you know, being traded to the team that you're playing that night in your own ballpark. Right. And and being the star that Ichiro is. Oh, and like being the the one guy left from that team. Have you ever seen – Have you you got to do this, uh, Brian, when you get a chance. Go to BaseballReference.com and look up Ichiro's numbers. BaseballReference.com. <laughs> Never heard of it. Baseball. Baseball-reference.com. Yes. Uh, and look up Ichiro's numbers. Holy cow. I mean, is he a Hall of Famer? Yeah. Got it, right? I think he is. And, you know, Ichiro is the guy. He's probably the best – player that we really don't know about because right. you know as Mets fans we don't we don't watch the American League and specifically playing in Seattle you know even in even in the age of the internet and 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 the the extra innings package and being able to see everything he still was kind of like a, a a hidden gem oh yeah no quietly because you're not watching Mariner games at 10:30 at night or 10 o'clock at night after you've you know invested in a Met loss uh, you know, you've seen enough of him, but you haven't seen a ton, and especially Met fans haven't seen him at all. His numbers are sick, right? Oh, they're they're crazy. I mean, yeah. he set the record for hits in one year. <laughs> he has a year with like 265 hits. It's ridiculous. He's just a ridiculous person. Um, and of course, the old, not the old, the the sort of urban legend that surrounds Ichiro is that if he wanted to hit home runs, he could hit home runs, right? Like in well, his prime. Yeah. He could have hit home runs, too, but he chose not to. And he did hit 15 one year. Yes. Tremendous player. Tremendous the, player. He average, He averages, okay, in, in a 162-game season, which he played 162 games or 161 games seven times. Seven times. Career. He plays every day. He either missed one game or no game seven <laughs> times. So right. if, you, if you take his average over a 162, he averages. He averages. 222 hits a year. Ridiculous. He averages 39 stolen bases a year. Yeah. He averages 103 runs a year. And there's some bad teams in there. Some, some not great teams in there. Awesome. There's there's a there's a 116 win team in there, but that was that was uh he did, did he even play on that team? I don't yeah. think he even played on that team. Yeah, he did. Did he? That was his rookie year then. That was his rookie year. Rookie year MVP. A rookie year MVP, right. Right. 242 hits. <laughs> Sat at 350, 56 stolen bases. Welcome to the majors, Mr. Hobbs. Right. Anyway. But, 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 but the knock on him? What's his knock? What's the knock on him? He never wanted to play in a big market, right? Well, that's one knock, but... <laughs> All right. Knock number two. We'll take that. <laughs> um, on base percentage. Yes. Always a very low on base percentage. Right. 
On base percentage wasn't what it was. You know what? I'll take the 220 hits a year. Thanks. Um, so the Yankees uh, plug him in into the outfield when the news that Brett Gardner was probably going to miss the rest of the season. They have Jabba Chamberlain coming back. They're really they're not necessarily on cruise control, but even with A Rod breaking his hand, uh, they're in really good shape. Uh, they'll probably get Pettit back uh, at the beginning of September. Uh, the, the the bullpen has been fantastic and is looking to add Jabba Chamberlain. Um, you know, really, we're going to talk about the Yankees a ton going forward because the Mets will, uh, after this 11-game trip, be completely in Mike Tyson oblivion, Bolivia. So, uh, but, you know, I just had to comment on them getting Ichiro in that it's – I'm fine with it. Like, Yankee fans, I think, expected people to be pissed off. And I was like, okay, you got Ichiro. I mean, you know, he's 38 years old. He's probably about three or four years past his prime. Good get for your team. You didn't have to give up much to get him. It's not ensuring you a World Series by any means. It's not like they went out and traded for you know Cliff Lee. I mean, uh, or, or Cole Hamels or something. Right. He just happens to be named Ichiro Suzuki. He, he's a huge name. He's right. a huge name. You know, but as far as what he does, eh, you know. Do okay. You, do you see them? It's a nice piece. He's a very nice piece. You to the puzzle. Getting... To the puzzle. To the, the puzzle that is the Yankees. <laughs> yeah. I see what you're doing there. Yeah. The um, I don't know. Can you? By the way, can you hear the sound of laughter in the background? I do. You do? Okay. I just wanted... I didn't know if you could hear it. Sounds like a party over there. Okay. Yeah. It's 11 o'clock at night on a Thursday, and you can hear... I just wanted to see if you could hear it, because... I know where your children are. Right. And now uh, they're about to get smacked down. <laughs> not literally. Uh, I hope not. Let's not call child services just yet. They went stomping down the hall, and now you'll hear silence. <laughs> um, do you think that the Yankees are go- going to go get another pitcher? I think, no, I don't think they do. I mean, unless it's unless you are getting a Felix Hernandez, and you know what, Mariners, hey, why not? You've given them everything else. Somebody, I can't remember who it was. You, somebody, you basically have uh, Jesus Montero to show for it. Was it Vicaro, uh, Mike Vicaro of the Post, who tweeted the other night? Yeah, I he saw hit, that. He that hit good. three Yankees. He says, that's no way to treat your future teammates. That's, yeah, that's right. I th- I think uh, my other favorite one lately was with the Marlins fire sale. Was uh, somebody tweeted, uh, uh, you know, what what do you think the uh, what do you think the 2014 price for Jose Reyes will be, you know, in a trade or whatever. And so I tweeted back, well, that depends on what the Yankees are willing to give up. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, how about that situation? It's just fantastic. It's magnificent. Oh, we, you know, we called it. I I just, it. This is this is not a break our arms, patting ourselves in the back. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't fire want sale with the Miami Marlins and the combustibility. Now, Cal, I should tell you, I got into uh, a good conversation with my buddy Jimmy. Uh, who's a great baseball fan, big Mets fan, but we were talking about the Miami fire cell. What do you think of this? He said he he didn't really see evidence that this is caused by combustibility or, or that, that the situation combusted. He just saw it as a lack of production and the fact that Miami and the ownership was not really committed to winning. But he didn't see the experiment as failed from a personality standpoint. Like he's like, I don't see Zambrano, Carlos Zambrano, you know, throwing water coolers. I didn't see, you know, Hanley Ramirez punch something the other day, but that was out of frustration or whatever. He's like, just the, the, the talent experiment didn't work. 
What do I'll you buy do? that. I'll, yeah, I'll buy that. I, I, I don't. I, I am not going to one hundred percent discount the chemistry in that in that clubhouse because right. I think it was a it was a, a lethal right. mix from the beginning. I said I think the production, especially out of Hanley Ramirez, the lack of production was a part and parcel. What was not a part and parcel, <laughs> but part, part of a parcel. Part was part and parcel with. The fact that he got moved out of uh, shortstop for Jose Reyes, and he was a malcontent. And you had a, a manager who uh, was defending Castro 10 days into the season. <laughs> you know, I think that might have had a little something to, you know, combustibility-wise in the locker room. But I think the bottom line, and, and the more you read about them, the, the, the owner of the team, Jeffrey Loria, the president, David Sampson, they really appear to be just all-time jerks. Yeah, it's uh, there's there's no better way to say it. The way they run a franchise, the way they held up an entire city to get for, the stadium, to get the stadium for yeah. which they they control everything. I mean, they control the the concessions, they control the the parking, everything goes back into their pockets. They have the uh, like so much loose change in their pocket. They have right. all the judges in their pocket like so much loose change. It's awful. Um and well, it's, uh, it's awful for them. For us so it br- yeah, no, for us, it's quite enjoyable. It brings me back to uh, something uh, that was a popular tweet around the time when Jose Reyes signed with the Marlins. And that was, you know, fear not, Met fans. <laughs> You'll be able to trade back for him in two years when the fire sale happens. <laughs> yeah, it was like, wow, we were joking. I didn't think you'd, uh, <laughs> I didn't think you'd do it. I didn't expect it to be in season, in the first season. I would have expected it at the end of the season. But the Hanley Ramirez one doesn't surprise you, Brian. Come on. I, it surprises me. That never going to work. Within, within the, I, it surprises me that they didn't even give it the full season. That's the only surprise. Look, the guy's punching doors. Lacer- he's pulling Amari Stoudemire's. He's lacerating his hands. He's making fantasy owners cringe especially ones that are relying on him to play third base. Um, he wasn't going to work. The guy wants to be a shortstop. There's too much. There's alpha dogism there. Okay. He's been the alpha dog for the longest time on the Marlins. He's been the guy. He's had his character questioned in the past on that team. And now you're going to bring in Jose Reyes to play shortstop and move him to third base. It's never going to work. You can't have those two guys on the same team. You can't. You can't. No, I, I agree. No, I just it didn't surprise me at all. All right, so uh, the Jets, holy cow, football is back, Brian. Yeah, they reported today, right? Camp Chaos is underway. Camp Chaos, oh boy. Camp USA. Brash talking Jets. Yep, 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 I mean, can we can can we have a practice first? No, but did they, they have let the practice, practice happen? They, they right. haven't even had a practice yet. Oh boy! And it's already a circus. Oh boy! Big circus. Um, training camp uh, is back. Bry, obviously the Jets uh, come in with a ton of question marks. We're going to talk a ton of football. I will just say this. Uh, I I got into it with Brian Costello from the New York Post last week mm-hmm. when Santonio San Holmes uh, asked the, <laughs> the 
the New York media to not focus so much on the negative, especially negativity from the past. And I made the point to Brian Costello that um, the New York media seems uh, uh, fixated on the dysfunctional 2011 Jets and are going to do everything they can to shoehorn every story into that narrative, um, whether it fits or not. And Brian Costello told me I was uh, wrong. That's not what they were doing. Uh, and that Santonio Holmes and Rich uh, Samini said the same thing. Shouldn't be giving lectures on journalism. Uh, that's uh, I actually Brian Costello said to me, Bry, that he does not think the na- the negative uh, the narrative is negative in New York. Oh, he he does that? not think they're doing that. Yes. Okay. Have the tweet to prove it. What what pray tell does he think they are doing? I'm not sure. But uh, see what he did there? So tonight we've gotten a sarcastic cart and an ironic cart. That's our producer. He may not talk on the show until the big or until the fun load, but he is making his presence known. Um, And I I don't know, uh, Bri, what they're actually reporting. All I do know is today, on the first day of camp, before a snap has been taken. And with the dysfunction of the team six months in the rearview mirror, the back page of the New York Post today said, Camp Chaos. No, wait, wait, wait. With a picture of Tebow and Sanchez. And there was a uh, 300-word article by Steve Serby about how the no-ring circus is in town. Get it? No ring. But they're not negative. They're not focusing. They don't focus on the negative. Well, here's a couple things on that. Number one, in that photo that we saw on the back page, what were they doing? Just curious. What were they doing in the photo? I, I, I don't know. They were just kind of walking together side by side. That's right. Okay. So well, if you were to look at that picture and then you were to read Camp Chaos, there's a huge disconnect there. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, doesn't – I mean, I, I guess – He didn't have – you know, he didn't have his hands around his neck. It wasn't like <laughs> – you know, Sanchez had his arms folded and was, like, looking over his shoulder right. with a face like this guy. Right. They should have looked like the Beatles during Let It Be. Right. <laughs> Camp Chaos. Right. In completely opposite ends of yeah, the room. Yeah, just, you know. That's the first. Wasn't Camp like Chaos a movie with Christy McNichol and Tatum O'Neill? Hey, that's a TV movie, without a doubt. Little Darlings. <laughs> Nailed it. Camp Chaos. That was a uh, Michael J. Fox, Nancy McKeon Made for TV movie. Count uh, Little Darlings, though. You see that? I knew Little. I like that movie. Yeah, I, I uh, Tatum O'Neill. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Then it got a little awkward. And then it was weird. Uh, the other thing, by the way, about that picture and yeah. the headline, Camp Chaos. Little Darlings. Oh yeah. Uh, yes. Go on. The um. Boy. About the picture. Derailed me. Oh, the, the party with the pants. Right, and yeah, are you inviting me to a... Uh, I would like to invite you to the party, party with the pants. The, uh, the photo and the headline, Camp Chaos. Yeah. What newspaper was that? The New York Post. Right, New York Post. The, the bastion of fair and balanced sports journalism. Right. Um, just a moment ago, you said that uh, Brian Costello said that he does not believe... That the narrative is negative? That's correct. 
Okay. And the last question in this series is what paper does Brian Costello write for? The New York Post. The defense rests. Right. <laughs> the defense rests. You just dropped the microphone. <laughs> Sexual chocolate. <laughs> Mr. Randy Watson. Uh I guess it's just I, I guess it's just not gonna matter what they actually say. Not gonna matter. But can I? Can I? Can I? No, no, I'm, no, no, no. I want to stop right there and just hear what I just said. Okay. I guess it's not gonna actually matter what the players are actually saying. Think about that from a journalism point of view. A sports. You're a sports journalist covering the Jets. Right. And it doesn't matter what the players say. No. You can, you can write whatever you want. You've got because you've got the stories written already. That's right. You know, you're just you're just gonna get some timestamps and some quotes and yeah. and F eight, <laughs> Control Alt F eight, deadline auto, auto auto story story in. No, I, it, think about that from a journalistic point of view, Brian. It doesn't matter what the players say. You're right. You know, it, it, the the whole uh, Santonio Holmes uh, said a two quarterback system can't work. Well, sorta. That's kind of what he said. Not really what he said, but okay. Let's run with that. So now the players spend time defending things they didn't actually say. So like Rex Ryan had to explain that that's not what we're gonna have. Right. Uh, and I think Santonio, you know, if I wanted him to be the offensive coordinator, I would have made him the offensive coordinator. Okay, everybody, let's let's move on. I've lost a lot of weight. Uh, <laughs> that good. It just does not matter what the players say. I guess I just have to get myself used to that. Can I can can I take you down a different direction? Just a, a real quick, like three minute rapid fire thing. I've got a couple of thoughts on the Jets. I'm going to throw them out to you, and I want to get your opinion on them. Yeah, let's do it. About actual Jet business. Yeah, let's do. I would love that. All right, let's start with Darrell Revis. Revis is in camp. Yep. How do you feel about that? I, I think it showed a lot of um, leadership on his uh, on his point. Or on his uh, to his, to the good side of his ledger, mm-hmm. um, I think he's he's unhappy with his contract. I think the Jets. You want to talk about ownership, like not being able to afford to screw this up. Uh, the Jets need to sign him to a long term extension. They knew it was a band aid contract. Now he's uh, making a show of good faith uh, in showing up in camp, uh, and I think I I hope they will. I I'm, see. I have less faith. I almost have less faith in Tannenbaum than I do in in Sandy Alderson. Well, we come from we come from different backgrounds. Uh, only only because Alderson is there, Bry. Please right. keep that in mind with the Mets. No, I, I know. Just up to the Wolfons and Omar Minaya, I know they'd screw this up. It helps. But Sandy, all, all Sandy has to do is take a look down at David's 440 on base percentage, and uh, <laughs> the contract will be written. But so yeah, to answer your question about Revis, good job. Okay. Good, good job. Good leadership. We're on the same page. Let's get in. Okay, to Brickishaw Ferguson, we've got greatness written all over us. Yep. What's the problem with that? No problem with that. Okay. Especially when you, especially when you tag it with what he said. See, Brian, it's always this is what it's always about with the Jets. I know. What he say after that. Right, but that's what I want. I want you to 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 go with that angle. Right. What did he say immediately following that? You just say it. I don't remember what he said. I, I only heard, I, that. I heard the first part. We have greatness in us. I see greatness all over us. But we have to go out and do it. No one's going to hand it to us 
and it's not going to be easy. It's going to take hard work. Right. See, that end part is not the sexy part of the quote. Well, that's like when the ink runs out on the typewriter. That's right. Well, we, we couldn't get to yep. that. I'm out of ribbon. Um, all right, last. Jeff Ota. Yeah. Tackle from the Carolina Panthers. They make a trade the other day. Low low risk, high reward kind of trade. Uh, frequently injured. Traded a conditional draft pick for him. He comes in, failed his physical. Failed the first physical. Right. He's going to take another physical. If he doesn't Condition cast it. All right. He found yeah. If he doesn't pass it, he's going to go back to Carolina. What, what do you make of the whole situation with Ota? From everything I read, they were not surprised that he didn't pass. They were a little disappointed, but they were not surprised. Um, I, I don't think you, you try to get the guy to pass, and you hope he can pass and hope he can play. I don't think you have anything to lose. He's clearly an upgrade at the right tackle um, if he's healthy and, and can play, former first-round pick. Obviously, they've had problems at that position before uh, last season with Wayne Hunter. Uh, I will say this. you know, Wayne Hunter, they asked him today, Bry, who's your breakout player? For uh, and 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 you gotta love. See, this is where you love the journalists and you love the beat guys because they're begging for him to say what you know he said. Right. Who's your breakout player in 2012, Bry? What did Wayne Hunter say? Me. You said Wayne Hunter. I love it. <laughs> I love. I love it so much. I love it. He said me. <laughs> I know. And you know, good. Good for him. I hope good. he's right. Good. That's the right. That's the attitude I want that guy to have. Play for your job. Every snap, he should be put up. Oh, there's the dog. Yeah. <laughs> sit, Ubu, sit. Good dog. Far every kids. Every snap. You got some menagerie going on over there, my friend. Oh, boy. I've lost it's control. After 11, it's 11.15. Right, last thing. One more thing on the Jets. Last thing. What is, what is going on in B Company, Matthew? And then it's fun load time. I want him to play every snap like that job is going to be taken away from him. Because you know what? It could be. It could be. So I have no problem with that, Wayne Hunter. And I have no problem with the Ota trade. It's worth the risk. If it if he doesn't pan out, he gets sent back to them and you, you've lost nothing. If it works out, you know, fantastic. You got yourself, you know, maybe a, a real good starting right tackle and, and somebody to solidify that line. There was a huge problem last year for that team. And for Mark Sanchez. And... Beautiful segue. Last thing, Mark Sanchez. Sure. Camp. He's not 15 pounds overweight, but he's 15 pounds heavier, and he looks, you know, like our friend Dr. Eray said, he looks jacked. He's already coming in saying all the right things. How do you feel about Sanchez on his first day in camp today? I last year, Brian, you remember, you know, we we had this whole conversation, and I really wrongfully predicted that Mark Sanchez was going to have a breakout year. I really did. I thought he was going to take the leap and become, uh, you know, not a Peyton Manning or a Tom Brady or something like that. I, I thought he was going to become uh, a a top 10 quarterback last year. But I, I, I don't even need to rank him. I thought he was going to make the leap, and he didn't. And especially the last three or four games of the season, he regressed mightily. Now, you know I blame a ton of that on... Uh, the, the uh, you know Brian Schottenheimer, of course. New offensive coordinator here. They've brought in Tim Tebow, which of course, <laughs> really they did. Steve, play, play, PJ played the breaking music then. 
I don't know if you heard. See, if PJ was really paying attention, he would have played. He would have played the newsroom music just then. But he's probably prepping for uh, his segment for the Death Star. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 wrong music. No, no, I wasn't. I no, no Fogelberg. No, I didn't need the Gordon Lightfoot right there. I needed the. Uh, that song is so sweet. Um, I, Brian, I think he's got the right attitude. I think he said all the right things. I think he devoted himself uh, to uh, uh, making his legs stronger, which was a big part. Look, he played. I think he played hurt last year. I do. I think he played hurt towards the end of the season. I think he had the pinched nerve in his shoulder. I don't want to make excuses. I think he played hurt. Um, I'm not going to go out and say he's going to have a big year and make the leap because that blew up on me last year. Uh, like a Gucci firework. But I will say this. I I don't feel, as long as he stays healthy, I I foresee him, you know, potentially having a really good year because I think Tony Sperano is a good offensive coordinator for him. I'm really interested to see what he is with a new offensive coordinator that's uh, in a system that's geared towards him and geared towards his strengths. And I... Oh. I yeah, Brian, uh, barring injury, I just don't see Tim Tebow starting a, a game for this team. I really don't. I, I really don't. I, I don't think there's going to be a need to. I agree with you. You know, Kevin uh, uh, McWalters, our, our great Giant fan buddy, said something interesting to me in our first football conversation of the season yesterday. Um, and he said, you know, I've been thinking about it a lot with Tebow. And it was, you know, Brian, again, we've turned over a new leaf because I've stopped hating on the Giants with him and just had honest conversations and accepted the fact that the Giants are uh, a great organization. They won the Super Bowl. They're champs. They have four Super Bowl rings. They're dynastic. Uh, Eli Manning is an elite quarterback. I've just accepted this stuff. I've stopped hating on them. And it's improved our relationship greatly. And uh, he's taking a much, you know, he will always hate the Jets and Rex Ryan because Rex came after his team. Right in the book, and said, we're going to take over the town, we're going to be better than the Giants, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But, he said something really interesting to me. He said, I've been thinking about it a lot. He said, I think Tebow, in, in various usages, gets you two more wins this year. Wow. He's like, I think he's the difference between you going 8-8 eight and eight and 10-6. and six. That could essentially be the difference between the playoffs That's right. and not... That's what he's saying. He's like, I don't, wow. know if, I don't know if it's at tight end. I don't know if it's at running back. I don't know if it's on a quarterback option or a wildcat. I think he makes plays in two games that win you games. And, he go, and, and Kevin said, he's like, I'm not saying he's going to play quarterback. He's like, I think Sanchez is going to be your quarterback all year. He's like, I think he's worth it as a football player to bring in for that. It's going to be interesting. Brian, to see how they use him. Because you know what? Nobody knows. Nobody, anybody who thinks they know, they don't know. I mean, Rich Semini came out with this dopey article last week about how the Tebow is going to be the red zone quarterback. How could you possibly know that? And what, what, what is the, why is there this insistence on labeling him the backup quarterback? He doesn't have to be the backup quarterback. No, he doesn't, Brian. And you but know, he's, label, he's labeled. That's what he is, according to the media. The, the the Jets and Rex Ryan, again, you know why they got Tim Tebow is for publicity. We said it. There's no other reason to get him, except it is going to light a fire under Mark Sanchez, okay? Because you know Drew Hansen was not going to, you know, Drew Hansen was not really going to.
place a threat or produce a threat to Mark Sanchez, and he needed that, yes. <laughs> no better one than to get the most popular quarterback on earth. Mm-hmm. But the Jets are never going to be swayed by the fans to make a move. If the Jets are 1-7, they're going to change quarterbacks. They would have changed quarterbacks if Drew Henson was the backup quarterback. Okay, that's A. The fans are not going to make the coaching decision on who plays quarterback. I don't care how Tebow maniac they are. And the other thing is, they made one mistake in all of this since he's been there. And that was Rex saying he may play one play, may play 20 plays. Because they have grabbed that 20-play nugget and made it completely about that. Right. Now there's no question he's going to play 20 plays, and that's a third of your snaps in a 60-play game. And again, Rex said he could play one play, he could play 20 or 25 plays. We don't know. This was about eight minutes after they made the trade, by the way. <laughs> like they hadn't even put in an offense yet. So, actually, to be honest with you, there's no way Rex could have known that. So, that's the one mistake they've made. Other than that, I I, I want to see how it plays out. I do, too. I'm and, interested now. And I think that they've got the right people in place. I trust Tony Sperano. I do, too. I don't know I why. <laughs> I trust him. I cause really I, do. I, you know why? You know why I trust him? Because I think he's free of, of the restraints of being a head coach. Yeah. And it, it's almost the the reason why Rex Ryan may ultimately his lot in life may ultimately be a defensive coordinator. He's right. a brilliant defensive mind. Tony oh, Sperano is a brilliant offensive mind. I think Rex is going to have a good year. I think he's learned a lot. Well, we'll see. He's, 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 he's certainly saying all the right things. And he has not backed off his promise to change. And he has not made Super Bowl guarantees. He's not even made win guarantees. I mean, he no. said, "I'm not saying how many games we're going to win or lose, but I think we're going to do this. So I think we're going to do that." He's he's made good on those promises, but I think he's learned. I think he has the potential to be an excellent head coach. He he could be. I just don't know if he's burned that bridge because of his mouth. I don't think he. I think he has an opportunity for redemption no. this year. Yeah. Um, last thing on the football, and then we're doing the fun load. The did you read uh, uh, the Giants? Did you read Vecchiano's article today on the Giants? No. Already playing the no respect card. No respect, Bry. Right. Giants open camp to giant slight. To wow. Slight, yeah. Every uh, Cal, everybody's talking around them. The Jets are a circus and Tebow and this and that. Uh, and the Giants just go about their business. Super Bowl champions. Never saying a word. And being slighted. I mean, one online Vegas site has them as the ninth favorite to win the Super Bowl. Wow. Okay, so like Bodog.com has them as like that. That's really a determining factor. So on Pro Football Weekly, they're third. On like NBC Sports, they're second. On ESPN, you know, the ESPN Power Rankings, they're third. After the draft on Sports Illustrated and ESPN, they were one. But no respect. Can I say something about that? I, I, I think, yes, I think that article was a plant. I really do. Might have been. I think the Maras went to Vecchiano and said, Ralphie, put on the pom-poms. Write a story about how we get no respect so our players will believe it. Um, You've just won two Super Bowls in five years. You need to play the no respect card in order to get (laughs) up for the season. (laughs) Yeah. Their their immediate card was nobody thinks we can repeat. That's what they need. All right. Hey, look. We've lost the right to say anything about them. 
obviously. Hey, you know what? But I don't. I don't. I just repeat. I I I just thought it was sort of manufactured. Just uh, first day of camp. You're not even there yet. A lot of it is. Yeah, I thought it was manufactured. Okay, time for the fun load, please, please. Huh. Yes. I I eat too much waiting for you guys to get around. <laughs> I mean it's crazy what I just what I just consumed. <laughs> <laughs> give us a run give us the rundown. We introduced the show and I had a root beer. And then you, we went to me. I did a little David Brenner thing, and um, then out came a bag of chips, and then out came this bag of uh, chocolate cookies from Italy. Wow! Uh, <laughs> what do you got? A, what, you got a, a supplier? What? Are... They're called Molino Bianco. Minga, so was I. Oh, they're so good. Delicious. I just sit here. And I'm listening, and I guess I have one hand free because the other hand's clicking. I'm and I listening just, and I'm eating. Shoveling food in. It's <laughs> stupid. I'm I listening I and I'm eating. I, I think I just consumed about 1,200 calories. It's really. <laughs> well, you gotta you know stock up for the uh, for the fun load. That's what it is. I love that you now you really own the fun load. I don't know what you're talking about. I do apologize that we're going into extra time for the fun load. Send all your questions to we're gonna put it up on the net. This is like the daily right. like the, daily, the fun load interview has become the daily show interview on a nightly basis. Stick around and uh we'll put it all up on the net. Uh we're what are we bring in an interview now in under twenty minutes. It's uh, I know. I know. But he's so good. Did you see it last night, by the way, Peach? We're not going to talk politics, but last night was a particularly good, just spot on, spot on. Yeah, I don't miss The Daily Show. The Daily yeah. Show is actually required viewing. Yep, that's but a DVR. I have, it, I have it with my morning cereal. Yeah, if I miss it at night, I will uh, watch it on the – I'll download it and watch it on the train on the way to work. Right. So good. Delicious. Uh, are we Everything this? also, are we doing? Uh, are we doing when I this? watch TV, there's eating. Always eating. I, you know what? Me too. Cal, were you like that as a kid? Oh, so much. Oh, it's unbelievable. Like, I'm, I'm thinking, do your girls do that? Um, No. We don't allow them to eat in front of the TV. Oh, good job. That's Excellent move. Good job. Yeah. yeah. Because Cal, I got... You gotta buy I, a new rug. Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It got so out of hand here. We couldn't get the Cheeto stains out of the rug. I had to put a porta potty in the living room. It got silly. The kids were rioting. It was very difficult. <laughs> they were on strike. <laughs> Either that, or you got to put a TV in the bathroom. Um, no, not yeah. too far now. Stop it. What do you mean that's too far? TV in the bathroom. TV in the bathroom. You think I can get away with that? I had that in college. I'll be honest with you. I would do a ceiling mount. We had that in one in in uh, uh, one house I was in in college. We had a TV in the bathroom. We just in had case two TVs stacked on top of each other. <laughs> yes, well, we all did that. <laughs> you could always have two stations going. 
Right. There was a, there were always six of you had a 13 inch TV, and then one guy may have had like the 20 inch. Well, we live close to the Salvation Army store. Oh, nice. So uh, the summer that we moved off campus, we went out and we bought like two 25 inch televisions for a dollar. <laughs> Big like consoles type television. What a deal! We, right. And we stacked one on top of the other, and just they were just you know 30 degrees off from the other, so that one person could sit on one couch and maybe play a video game, and the other person could sit on the other couch and watch the news, but you could also watch what the other guy was doing. That's nice. And you yeah. guys got you guys got three sundresses and two uh, wigs at the uh, at the Salvation Army as well, which was good. Well, the band before every show would go costume shopping. I yeah. had a pink, amazing that it was in my size. I had a pink tweed leisure suit. Oh, that's fantastic! That I would you would you would have looked like uh, Richard Klein. Tried to create Richard Klein. <laughs> you would have looked exactly like Richard Klein at a gig. We were uh, holding for David Brunner. You would have looked like, like you were at the bottom line with uh, Richard Klein at the bitter end. That's right. They're doing a spot. Okay. Alright. Uh, well, some people beat. say hoagie. Some people say subway. Some people say. <laughs> Listen. The problem with your David Brenner right now is that your material is actually better than his. <laughs> the thing, I look, I've seen David Brenner live twice, and it was the unfunniest oh, man. debacle. Poor each thing. Time. That's rough. He just talks about stuff that doesn't make me laugh. No. But I think he's a good guy. Like, he's I'm rooting for him. <laughs> Because he's always smiling, and he likes being there. But, man, he's, what is he talking about? It's not not good. No, like I the said, weather, you know, the weather in Philadelphia, you know, you do better living on the sun. Uh. <laughs> Killed it. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. I know. Listen, we're going to talk sports. All right. And for love's sake, oh, boy. Each mistake. I'm gonna I'm gonna name some things for for you that are considered sports by some. All right. And I want you guys to weigh in. Okay. I love that guy's voice. There's no time to play. Short list. So go, we'll go through it really quick, but I just want to know. Weightlifting. Sorry. Yes. Oh, is, is the topic solid. of is, <laughs> right? Is the topic of tonight solid? A sport, not a sport, or solid? Or you could say it's it's a sport, but perhaps it's overrated. Okay. Okay. And what's the first one? Weightlifting. Weight, weightlifting. Uh, I'm gonna say sport and solid. All right. I'm good with it. Obviously, there's some athletic ability there. Yeah, I'll agree. All right. Yeah. So I'm gonna put a little red check mark next to that. I got a list here. I got. I'm working with paper tonight. I hope you know. Can I say? Can I? Can I say this about weightlifting? Difficult for me to watch because I'm See, waiting I, for. I'm waiting for something I think to go wrong. Is a bad spectator sport. Yeah, I think I th- I'm waiting for something to go wrong. I'm waiting for a gut to bust or something yeah. to spill out or an arm to like like the great Saturday Night Live, uh, <laughs> the All Drug Olympics. 
Right. right. He's taken uh, some sort of uh, some Darvol, some steroids, and some sort of fish tranquilizer in the last hour. <laughs> He's trying to lift 2,000 pounds. That's quite a bit of weight. Let's see how he makes out. And, he, of course, he, Phil Hartman rips his arms off. Yeah, it's no good. I mean, the, the, the reason why I don't like it is because you, you are. You're, you're, you're wincing. Yeah. You know, I don't want to sit there and be completely uncomfortable. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's I'm I'm a little I'm a little nervous about it. Yeah. All right. But, but definitely a sport. Definitely a sport. Next, water polo. Oh, absolutely a sport and uh, underrated. Underrated. Oh man, I I knew a bunch of guys in college that played water polo on our club team. That's right. Very athletic. Very. Yeah. I, no way I could have done that. I think it's way underrated. Oh, you can't. I think, it, I think I it's more exciting swim. than soccer. I can't swim. I can't. Yeah, I mean, I can swim, obviously. <laughs> I'm saying, you know, you have to tread water for 45 minutes. Yeah, it's crazy. That's, oof. Those guys were in, in absolutely solid, underrated sport. Cal? Can't disagree. <laughs> no time for a cramp. <laughs> no time for a cramp. Yeah. Definitely don't eat. Half no, an no. hour of play. But the night before, you have to consume about 20,000 calories. That's correct. <laughs> you have to eat 19 pounds of pasta. Yeah. you got to sit up with me watching Family Guy. <laughs> <laughs> i got Edmonds. i got 20, cold noodles. What do you want? That's a 2,200-calorie night. <laughs> cold I'll noodles? I'll stop my side to this PJ's carb loading. <laughs> Carbs with PJ. <laughs> All right, next. Sailing. By the way, is this song really this long? Or is this song <laughs> it's not. It's not even half over, man. This song goes on right. forever. It's not a loop. a loop. No, it's not a loop. This is. This is what you used to have to sit through in the. They 80s. are extraordinarily solid, right? I mean, solid. Uh, sailing is not a sport. Sailing is a way to get from point A to point B. <laughs> Sailing is a mm. mode of transportation, not a sport. Oh, overrated, miscategorized, Tremend- tremendously overrated. Sailing no. is sailing is not a sport, but I find it to be underrated. Why? Will you watch it? I, I no, I, no, I won't watch it. I will sail. I have no problem being on a, on a boat that's sailing somewhere. I'm sailing. <laughs> so for you, sailing is like cross. a conduit for beer. Dr. Marvin, I'm sailing. Oh, what about Bob? <laughs> so great. I'm sailing. You will watch, will you watch the uh, the Winston, not the Winston Cup, the uh, America's Cup? I had the wrong cup there. No. I've watched, no. I've watched the sailing cup. Oh, that's yes. <laughs> the sailing cup? <laughs> <laughs> the sailor's cup. The sailor's cup. All right. Is there, is there another sailor than Dennis Connor that we should know? Nope. No. He's it. He's it. He's the guy. He owns it. That guy looks like a a, a mean drunk. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Comes with being a sailor, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. I guess so. How about how about fencing? Sport. Sport. All right. And I'll give it Very a solid. Nice. Not an overrated, underrated solid. Sport. Well, I think it's solid. A little- I think it's a little overrated. I mean, let's let's take it easy there. 
It may be the you world's oldest You think they overdo it with the gear, no, for instance? You think they a little bit. It, yeah. The gear's a little tough to take. The gear is a little much. It may be the world's oldest sport, right? Could be. I mean... One, one of? You know, the Romans and the Lion. That really wasn't a sport for the Romans. No. <laughs> that, that, that was, was a rough spectacle. go. For the, yeah. Uh, I'm saying sport, solid. solid. And I'm Good. going sport, overrated. All right, it's the match. Overrated? Nice. It's fine. How about ping pong? Oh, man. Ping pong is a leisure activity. It's not a sport. Sport. You're going sport, Cal? Yeah, I'm going to go sport. Have you seen some of these ping pong... uh, It's cardio, man. Yeah, Yeah. you know what? I'm going to rescind my not a sport and go sport uh, solid, though. I'm not going to give it the overrated. No, it's solid. Yeah, I'm gonna say sport, but it's a little light. <laughs> it's a little light beer, you know. Yeah, it's it, it, it's the Amstel of sports. Yeah. It's fair. Wait, oh, I got two more. What do you okay. think of Taekwondo? Oh, absolutely a, a, a sport. Ooh, tough it's sport. I have a problem. We'll get into this next week with the Olympics. I have not a problem. Things like that where judging is involved are difficult for me to call sports. It's a competition. Uh, I can do that. Yeah. If you're talking like MMA, Taekwondo, that's a sport because it's not based on judging. It's, it's there's a clear winner and a loser. There's judging involved, but there's there's a referee involved. But there's a clear winner and a loser. Okay. But like Taekwondo, where like you're getting three points for this move and four points for that move, and it's it's close. That's close for me. It's like boxing. Like is boxing a sport or is boxing a competition? Boxing is a sport. But it's judged. Boxing. Um. But you could knock somebody out and effectively remove the judging from it. So when that happens, it's a sport. Otherwise, to me, it's a competition. Oh, so it, so it it can change within the in the midst of the event. That's correct. Ooh. To me, it, it to me it can because again, it, it, I have a like like figure skating or you know I mean these are these are up to judges. These are you know if the north. Uh, German, North German? Figure skating, there's no chance of a knockout. No chance of a knockout. Unless you're uh, a galoolied. Uh, no, a galoolied line. If you're, oh, if boy. East, if the East German judge doesn't like you, there's not even an East German anymore. What am I doing? Where am I? I don't know. You are stuck. Maybe it's the song. I'm just saying that the song is stuck. Just saying it's up to the judges. If judges don't like you, they could screw you. Well, Whereas... That's a competition to me. That's not a, a sport. All right, last one. So no, but yes. Trampoline. Oh, boy. What are we doing on the trampoline? What does anyone do on a trampoline? Depends. Besides <laughs> drunken attempts at sex. <laughs> they bounce, PJ. They bounce. Sport? Uh, again, judging, not a sport. Not even remotely a sport, and extremely overrated. 
Wow. <laughs> also, you you sound like you spent some time on a trampoline. My sensibilities have been offended with that one. I I, I did not see. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I did not foresee Cal coming out so strongly against the trampoline. Yeah. I find the trampoline to be a death trap for kids. Really? Yeah. I think oh, kids yeah. can, can can just absolutely destroy themselves on a trampoline and not even realize it. Got, trampoline's got the fun, joyful center. Then it's got a moat where you can, like, trap your leg. And then there's a long <laughs> aluminum bar. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Wow, I didn't uh, I, I didn't know that Cal was so strongly in the anti-trampoline lobby, though. That's right. Card-carrying member. Card-carrying member. Um, wow, is that was that the last one? Well, this is this is what we have to talk about now. Because it ended it ended perfectly on the phone. I know. Well, <laughs> if you're talking for a reason, all those things have something to come. Wow. But the opening was hot. I get it. Okay. Wow. So uh, next week we're going to talk about the Olympics, is what you're saying? I'm saying we're talking about it right now. We don't have time. We don't have the time. <laughs> we're, got... Let's let's talk about it next week. It'll be underway. It'll be fun. What did you let's do to it. me? We're put. We're, I, we're ma- you we're told making me to the... assemble a fun load. I made you two part fun load. We're making Lindsey Buckingham. We're we're Lindsey Buckinghaming you. You get in on the solid, and then it leads you to the phone load. We haven't even gotten to the phone load. That's it. By the way, that was uh, what, what was the, what's the name of the Christmas uh, the band that always plays Nassau Coliseum? Oh, Mannheim Steamroller. <laughs> <laughs> that was the Mannheim Steamroller version of the Olympic fanfare. That was big. That was large. Wow. That, that production. I did that not know they they'd be here. That was off the London album. Was it really? Get ready to hear that one a lot. Is that uh, John Williams? <laughs> Peach? No. They didn't get John Williams for that? How did they not get John Williams for that? I I don't know. He's 80. Maybe he doesn't He doesn't do it so much anymore. He's still cranking out uh, movie soundtracks. Is Isn't he? I don't know. I don't know. I don't I can't name the last one he's done. All I know is the, the Olympics are in London. They don't get John Williams to do the uh, the the theme. Come on now, come on now. That's like uh, if the Olympics were in. Uh, oh, I don't know. I don't have anything good there. If the Olympics were in Canada and they didn't get rushed to do the theme, that's right. Thank you. Like last year when the Olympics were in Canada and they had Brian Adams singing the opening. Is Boy George going to be singing at these Olympics? Everyone. I saw a great tweet the other day, uh, uh, and the the hashtag was about sports specific to London, to the London Olympics, and it was the Gallagher brothers fencing during the opening (laughs) ceremony. (laughs) Oh, that would be so good. I love the Gallagher brothers. Hey, I like that Oasis. Underrated. Underrated. All right, let's so wrap not, it up. You're not going to let me do my ending? All right, I'm totally deflated now. Wow. What, you had an I ending? I'm pass. sorry, I'm sorry. You had an ending. I did not know yet. Do the ending. Played him I off. Just, 
You, you completely killed me. Dude, it, well, I mean, it, it's a quarter to 12. We got to wrap. People have been on the treadmill for two hours. They Did you exhausted. ask me to do a fun load or not? Yes, we, we didn't know. I didn't know it was going to be a 35-minute fun load. We didn't even get into it. We did a solid. The solid was, uh, you know, 10 minutes. part of it. I, I feel badly now. Can you you want to take you this up the next? To feel badly. Wait till I you get to in front of me. You want to take this up in the next production meeting? Yes. <laughs> Can we make all our production meetings be like uh, the newsroom when they get together to discuss the story? A little witty banter. Yeah, this is a ridiculously, unbelievably fantastic witty banter going back and forth. Can I we do look, that? I love it. All if right, I could good. speak like Sorkin writes, I'd do it every day. I know. Wouldn't that be great? Like the banter is more creative than the actual writing that's going <laughs> yeah, on in the, the room. The banter right. is more creative than reality could ever be. Yeah. Far more. All right. Next week we will talk Olympics, PJ. You, next week is your show. As Danny DeVito once famously sang, tonight is you and I, bro. That's right. Uh, final unload, PJ. Look both ways before crossing the street. Oh, come on. That's a cop-out final unload, you know it. I think he's grab-assing. <laughs> he is grab-assing. All right, Cal, final unload. My, fun, my final unload is congratulations to uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneer Eric Legrand, who retired uh, today as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Um, it's a great story. Got hurt last year, paralyzed. Former Rutgers player. Got uh, signed by the Buccaneers, his old coach, Greg Schiano, and he retired a buck. So, you know, it's a really good story. That's great, great story. Congratulations, Eric Legrand, Tampa Bay Buck for life. Nice. And uh, my final unload is congratulations to a good friend of mine, Joe Dallow, uh, whose new show on the Disney Network, Disney Channel, premiered tonight. It's called Code 9. It's like a uh, punk for kids, where kids get to prank their parents, and he's the uh, special effects expert. Uh, And the premiere was tonight at 8 o'clock, and the show is really good. Joe has been... uh, an actor and, a, and working in the business for a really long time and it's a great break for him and uh, the show is really fun I am very proud of him uh, so congrats to my buddy Joe alright we will talk to you next week thank you very much for Brian Calvi and PJ Cachopo who I'm putting back on PJ yeah. are you eating are you eating again I might have something in my mouth <laughs> <laughs> come on play the, play the last thing please play it I'm play not what? ending. I'm not ending, ending this podcast until you play what you were going to play for the last part of the Olympic thing. The, no, but the, the last, it's 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 a it's a bit. I wrote I wrote a, a the whole thing. It was the fun load. I wrote the fun load, <laughs> and you took me to the precipice of it and was like, "All right, then we got no time, and we're gone." <laughs> Go for it. Do it. You gave me the 1 a.m. sketch and then told me it was 1.05. (laughs) (laughs) We gave you the 10 to 1 and we cut it in Lorne Michaels style in dress rehearsal. That's right. That's right. And I got to vent about it in front of the audience. It's good. (laughs) Can you do it? Can you do it next week? Not going to be good next week, but all right. Yes, it will. The Olympics will be going on. I know. 
or was it about how the Olympics are going to be going on? Does it matter? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, will, will we see you next week, Peach? You're going to see me. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everybody. Oh, boy. Oh, boy.